heart of where innovation, money, and power collide. In Silicon Valley and beyond, this is Bloomberg Technology with Emily Chang. Chang in San Francisco, and this is Bloomberg Technology. Coming up in the next hour, reckless. Why Russian President Vladimir Putin is being accused of nuclear terrorism. We will bring you the latest from the White House. Plus, how the war is affecting tech employees on both sides of this fight, from Ukraine and Russia. We'll talk to two tech employees on the ground. And the role of crypto in the Russian invasion and how crypto exchanges are navigating the crisis and sanctions. We'll get the view from Kraken CEO, Jesse Powell. All of that in a moment, but first I want to get a look at the market stocks falling while the dollar climbed with bonds as the war and risk to global markets escalates. Our Kriti Gupta has more. Kriti, take it away. Yeah, Emily, a really risk-off tone in the markets, and this kind of seems like you're really not seeing that risk-off tone let up anytime soon. Check this out. The S&P 500 closing eight-tenths of a percent. Even that safety bid for tech really not working in this environment. And it all comes down to what the ramifications are of that war between Russia and Ukraine, specifically when it comes to commodities at a time when inflation is already surging. What does that mean for things like food prices, like oil prices? And at what point does that start to eat into that consumer spending ability. You can see those concerns really showing up into where people are putting their money. They're fleeing to the dollar, to gold. You're even seeing a bid into treasuries, even in the face of a very hawkish Federal Reserve, an 11 basis point move in the 10-year yield. So Emily, the real takeaway you need to know is that it is a risk-off time in the markets, and it doesn't really seem like it's letting up anytime soon. All right, Kriti, thank you for that quick update. President Putin now being denounced for his, quote, recklessness. This after Russian forces attacked a nuclear power plant, raising the stakes as the war goes into its 10th day. NATO foreign ministers meeting in Brussels condemned what Kyiv described as an assault on Zaporizhia, the Zaporizhia facility in southeastern Ukraine, Europe's largest nuclear power plant. Bloomberg's Anne-Marie Hordern joins us now from the White House. And Anne-Marie, we know that President Biden spoke with President Zelensky about this, what is the very latest in terms of the, the, the administration's position on what's happening here? Yeah, President Biden was immediately on the phone with President Zelensky when that was happening overnight. The shelling at Zaporizhia, the biggest nuclear power plant in Europe, it makes up also 20 percent of Ukraine's electricity. And immediately there was a, they were imploring Russia to pull back from that site. And I actually spoke to the IAEA director general just hours before this happened, and he was aware of what was going on on site. And he said that it was almost face-to-face -face contact between the Russian military as well as the locals that were outside of this massive facility. And then, of course, at night we saw the fire. It, it was, seems that the fire was just at a training building and that no radioactive materials have leaked. But, Emily, the concern has certainly heightened what is going on, this tension. And we should also note, this is the first time ever that a country that is being invaded has a vast amount of nuclear power plants. And this is why, really, the world was on edge today. <laughs> on edge, indeed. Emery, I also want to get an update on the oil situation. Obviously, there are increasing calls from Congress to act. The White House seems to continue to insist they, they don't want to disrupt the global supply of oil, especially coming from Russia. What is the latest on this? 
Speaker Pelosi came out uh, pretty emphatically saying, ban it, ban it now. And that is the U.S. imports of Russian oil. The White House now, Emily, is considering it, considering banning this uh, Russian crude imports. We should note it's relatively small when you just look at pure crude. It's about 3 percent. But when you start to factor in other petrochemicals and other fossil fuel products, it's about 8 percent. And you look at the rankings, Russia's actually third, just behind U.S. neighbors, Canada and Mexico, and ahead of its key ally in the Gulf, Saudi Arabia. So this would be very symbolic as well. Uh, and also they're getting a lot of political pressure. But by and large, you're right. They have said for weeks that, yes, energy was on the table. But just yesterday, Jen Psaki, the press secretary, said that strategically it just doesn't make sense because that potentially would be a, a price, a spike in price. And that's exactly what we're seeing right now in the market. And for this administration, they are dealing with higher inflation. So anything to try to quell those oil prices is going to be warranted. Right. The stakes are high going into this 10th day. Bloomberg's Emery Horton at the White House, thank you as always for your reporting. I want to dive deeper into the situation following that nuclear power plant being hit in southeastern Ukraine. I want to bring in Mark Nelson. He is the managing director at Radiant Energy and an expert on nuclear power. Mark, thank you so much for joining us. There has been some misinformation about this and a lot of fear. So I want to hear from your perspective, your version of what happened at this nuclear power plant and the status of it today. Thanks, Emily. Yeah, there was a lot of fear. And some of what I'm going to say about the timeline is definitely with hindsight, we know more about what happened. Um, the plant is safe. We know from the IAEA it is in operation with one out of the six units. But what occurred last night was the, you could say it was the peak in three days of escalating interactions between uh, Russian forces and very angry locals. The plant's located in a city named Inergodar, energy's gift. And the locals are very proud of their plants, like everywhere in the world, and they didn't want to give it up. There appeared to be some kind of clash between Russian forces and people outside of the plant, outside of the, um, you might say, the nuclear safety area of the plant. There was a flare that went off, very bright lights, um, what looked like crowd dispersion, uh, munitions and later there was video of some armaments of some kind found on the unguarded or the unarmored crosswalks outside of the plant. So what occurred was a fire that we can see on the video in an employee training center. Fire was started somehow. Um, firefighters put it out. The plant remained in operation with one of the six reactors on that reactor at 60% power. And when the sun came up, we had uh, news from IAEA that they had been in contact with the plant on the ground with the professional operators. And the plant went through the night and uh, in the morning was under Russian control. Now, Mark, there was a tweet last night from Ukrainian officials calling this incredibly dangerous, also saying if it blows, it could be 10 times Chernobyl. Was that accurate and just how dangerous was this? Um, that was absolutely inaccurate. Uh, these plants cannot go off like Chernobyl. They are not 10x Chernobyl. They're not 1x Chernobyl. Chernobyl was a radically different type of plant with no containment dome. These plants are reactors, small reactors 
inside of incredibly thick, more than one meter thick concrete knit with very, very strong and thick reinforced steel rebar. So that the, it was never going to go off. That was always false. And if there's any nation in the world that would understand the difference between Chernobyl and the reactors they rely on every day, it would have been Ukraine. Don't want to question motives, but that was, uh, it seemed grossly irresponsible from my perspective. And certainly that's the headline that captured people's attention. I fielded inquiries from young parents hysterically wondering about their child, their unborn child, as far away as Sweden. And I've had to say, no, first of all, false, can't do that, that's wrong. And I've had to walk people through the steps of how this facility is not in any way, shape, or form capable of doing 10x, 6x, or 1x Chernobyl. So what is the real danger if Putin and Russia capture these nuclear power plants, just how dangerous is it? What should we be worried about? Well, each of the plants should uh, has, has a value of electricity production in the tens of billions of dollars over the next few years, right? So it's not clear that the Russians would intentionally damage the plants that are the same type that they operate um, over the border in their country. So it's not clear what they would try to do to damage, but let's look at what the safety situation would be if during some struggle over the control of the plant, something happened. Well, first of all, the heavy, thick concrete domes trap anything that goes wrong inside. Uh, a very intense bombardment, more than crashing jet planes into these reactors. They can, they can survive that quite easily. So something immense would have had to happen to cause those things to vent. These are not even the same design of reactors like in Fukushima, for example. So what would have had to happen is with a complete loss of off-site power, let's say the grid collapsed or a transmission lines were shot down or the switch yard in the plant had a fire and the plant was disconnected, that would lead to immediate shutdown of any of the reactors that were still on. I mean, even a shell landing nearby would lead to an automatic shutdown just from the seismic sensors, earthquake sensors. Then after the shutdown, emergency safety procedures would come on. This equipment would protect the plant unless that itself were specifically targeted and interfered with. So uh, in the end, there's uh, many defenses. We call it defense in depth in nuclear from the inside, from the smallest inside of the reactor all the way out, increasingly massive and strong to survive just about anything. And that's okay. what we would have almost certainly seen in this case if there had been a, a direct bombardment. Okay, well, we, of course, are going to be watching uh, what happens next and how Russian forces approach these nuclear power plants. Mark Nelson, thank you so much for putting it in perspective for us. Managing Director at Radiant Energy, we appreciate it. Coming up, as the war in Ukraine rages, could Russia soon impose martial law. We're going to talk to two tech workers, one with employees on both sides of this fight and one grappling with what's going on in her home country of Russia next. This is Bloomberg.
As we continue to cover the situation in Ukraine, we are talking to tech leaders and employees where it's hitting closest to home. Today, we bring you the stories of Matthias Klenk, CTO and co-founder of PassBase, who is working around the clock to help employees stuck in Ukraine, as well as Russian employees who have fled the country. Also joining us, Inessa Mir, a product designer at Zalando, who's also a Russian citizen and relocated to Germany back in August but still has family and friends in Russia. Matthias and Anessa, thank you both so much for joining us. Anessa, I want to start with you. You decided to leave Russia months ago because you felt this tension escalating. Your parents are still there. Your friends are still there. How are you doing and how are they doing? Um, well, thank you for asking. It's, it has been complicated, of course. So um, I hope for the best. Uh, that's what I can say. President Putin, we're hearing, could soon declare martial law. He is already cracking down on the media. This means that, you know, the borders could be closed. Um, it could be more difficult to protest, illegal uh, to protest. I know one of your friends, I believe, was arrested for protesting. Yes. What do you think? What do you think about all this? Uh, well, what can I think? Uh, well, it, it's, it's awful. It's just awful. So uh, I cannot fully believe this situation is happening. So um, we all in the country, I think, just missed this point uh, when this uh, the things get so bad and so wrong. Matthias, you have both Ukrainian and Russian employees. You've got Ukrainian employees, I believe, who are still in the country and Russian employees who have left. How are you navigating all of this and the challenges that both of these employees are facing? Yeah, it's, um, of course, like a very tough situation. Um, I think what we do in the first place is really try to support our team members with, like, support and safety. Basically, some of these team members, um, since their, like, currency got, like, incredibly devalued, basically all their life savings is, like, are, are basically gone. So we're like working with them, of course, in ensuring that they still can get their like salary, even though some of their like financial institutions now are on the sanction list. So this is like one one part, of course, what we do for our Russian team members and in, in helping them and providing them safety. And at the same time, of course, we're working both with the Ukrainians and Russians and helping them to relocate if they want that. Um, some of them can't. So especially like the, the ones who are in Ukraine, um, they're basically sent back at the border and almost called to arms and told that they have to fight. And it's, of course, like a very tough situation for them as well. So in that, in that sense, what we're trying to do is um, help them at least um, to stay and, and find a location where they can work from, even like see that they can have access to Internet um, and, and just like trying to somehow manage the situation with them together. You're a young startup. I mean, are you saying that these employees, they're still working, they're still shipping code, doing their jobs in the middle of a war? Yeah, this is pretty much insane. <laughs> it's about like 30% of our um, of our engineering team is either Russian or um, Ukrainian. And you can imagine probably that the productivity is far more than 50%, like even more impacted by that. And it doesn't even stop there. You know, like we have team members also in Lithuania and some countries close by or even Germany. 
Um, and pretty much everyone here in Europe is like heavily, heavily impacted by this situation. And on the one side tries to support our team members who are like literally in, in the midst of this, but also we as like a leadership team, of course, provide them um, the space that they can show basically um, their support for them. And, and also um, we, we canceled meetings that they can go on protests, for example, here in Berlin. So um, this is at least the minimum what we as a company can do is creating the space for them to, to show social engagement here. Inessa, your friends who are still in Russia, your parents who are still in Russia, are they trying to leave? Do they want to leave? Do some of them uh, support this war? I, I know many, many people do not. Yeah, that's true. Uh, many people do not support the war and none of the friends uh, and my family, uh, none of the people of my close circle is support. But I hear the stories uh, also from some of my friends that they do not speak with their parents anymore uh, because the parents tend to see the situation differently. So, um, and yeah, the majority of people is trying to escape Russia right now. I would say that uh, almost half uh, of my closest circle uh, managed to escape in Armenia and Georgia and closest countries. Of course, it's not that easy with my parents because they um, they had already they retired. Um, so I don't really know how to support them in this situation. So, uh, but yeah. These sanctions are getting tougher every day, sanctions coming in from the, around the world. How is this impacting everyday Russians? Obviously, the target is, is wealthier Russians, but yeah. how is this impacting the people that you know who mm -hmm. maybe had nothing to do with this? Yeah, that's, that's true. Uh, it impacts people uh, in every way. So basically, my parents uh, lost almost all of their savings just basically overnight or in the in the course of the last week. Same I can say with some of my friends. Uh, also, a lot of them was receiving uh, their salaries in Russian rubles. So, and uh, also with all this uh, situation uh, with the companies starting to stopping to provide their services in the country, uh, I, we can already see a lot of change. And I think it's going to be only more of them, unfortunately. Matthias, is there any way that you can describe ideologically how this is impacting your company, given how much of your team is Ukrainian or Russian, and how emotionally difficult this is? Yeah, so absolutely. Um, I mean, what we also offered is, of course, uh, mental health support to all our team members who are affected by that. And um, it's it's just like a really tough time. And um, I think we just need to to help our team members really to go through this this tough time and, and help them. And not only them, but also like their relatives um, to come to Germany if it's possible and relocate them if they want that. But um, it's it's just like such a such a such a sad thing what what's happening right now and um it's it's at the same time you also feel like a, a feeling of like powerlessness um because you only have like very limited impact on that here from 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 germany basically how concerned should 
we be about the tech industry? Given the deep bench of tech talent in this country, in both of these countries, and the fact that they, these people, are working for companies, global companies around the world. Are, are you worried for, uh, you know, the, the supply, you know, the, the great talent that all of these developers and engineers and product designers um, possess and have to give back to the world? So, so what I think what is going to happen likely in the next coming up weeks is, of course, that more team members will try to either leave Russia and Ukraine to um, more Western European countries. And I think this is also what Inessa just touched upon, that some of her friends already tried to, to leave. So I think in the short term, this is, of course, there's like a high impact, especially for teams like us who have um, a lot of team members in one of those countries. Um, long term, I think, and this is already what we saw from the European Union, uh, which I strongly welcomed is that we are like very, um, very like friendly towards giving visas towards those people impacted by the situation, and um, I think this is absolutely the right move to to like protect civilians and um, allow them basically to escape from this tragedy and and bad situation in those countries. Anessa, you have left your country. Your parents are still there. Your friends are still there. How do you see your near future? How do you imagine this ending? That's a tough question. Um, of course, I will try to help uh, my friends to escape. I help them to get a job in uh, Germany. Um, with the parents, it's much difficult uh, because, as I said, they are in the or quite an old age right now. Uh, my only hope right, that when the situation would start to decrease, I mean, the heat of it, um, that maybe some countries would, will still open their borders, will, will still have their borders opened uh, with Russia, and I can uh, at least um, like invite my, my parents there, and we can meet during a short vacation. That's all I can hope right now, probably no more. Do you think you'll ever go back to Russia? Um, that's also a tough question. Uh, I don't think so. Uh, like, so. I wouldn't say like never, but unless this regime is, uh, is in power, I would rather not to. I would go there only if I definitely have to do it, like I have some family business to do, but Personally, I'm afraid of my safety. If I would go there, I would. I cannot be sure that I can get back to Germany. Anessa Mir, product designer at Zalando, Russian citizen. Matthias Klenk, CTO and co-founder of PassPace. Thank you both for joining us, for sharing our story. We hope that you both stay safe. Much more coming up on Bloomberg Technology. Stay with us. This is Bloomberg. Another story we continue to watch, Microsoft, the latest company to limit business in Russia. The U.S. tech giant saying it's halting all new sales of products and services in Russia as it condemned the country's invasion of Ukraine. Microsoft saying it'll also help cybersecurity officials in Ukraine defend against Russian attacks. Coming up, we're going to take a look at how Silicon Valley is reacting to what's going on in Ukraine and how it's impacting not only big tech, 
but also small startups and venture capital. That's next. This is Bloomberg. Welcome back to Bloomberg Technology. I'm Emily Chang in San Francisco. How are investors hedging geopolitical risk in Ukraine? Our Kriti Gupta has been digging into that. Kriti, what are you seeing? Yeah, I mean, it's a pretty straightforward trade here, Emily. You are seeing the surging oil price, surging commodity prices. So naturally, you do get that exposure in the stock market, but you also get it through defense names. It breaks pretty set a lot of sense as you start to see a lot of these European nations really ramp up their defense, seeing some of those lessons from Ukraine. Naturally, they go to the number one maker or exporter, I should say, of defense uh, kind of companies. Now, of course, is the United States. So check out this ETF, the three major ETFs. You can see the flows have just skyrocketed going back all the way two years moves that you haven't even seen during the trade war between the United States and China but this isn't the only kind of defense they're looking at Emily we are on day nine of the Russia and Ukraine war and you can see very clearly people are betting on cybersecurity as a really key piece of that defense strategy and of course we do know that Russia does have an upper hand they are very strategic in using cybersecurity measures that has been one of their criticisms in the past so if you actually look at the stocks coming over say the past two weeks for example you can really see that these uh names, names like Palo Alto, CrowdStrike, that really kind of specialize in cybersecurity, they're the ones that are getting the bid, basically a assumption that a lot of corporate America is going to start looking to cybersecurity names to ramp up their own defense systems, Emily. Okay, Kriti, thank you for that roundup. Meantime, the tech world has wasted little time announcing plans to cut business ties with Russia over this unprovoked invasion of Ukraine. Just this week, we saw Apple, Oracle, Disney, Meta, Spotify, Microsoft, just to name a few. But not everyone is following suit. Earlier this week, the CEO of WeWork had this to say on Bloomberg. Uh, we have just four locations in Moscow. Uh, we do incredibly well. We are, as of right now, over 90% occupied. Uh, it's a small part of our business. Uh, you know, the revenue is about, you know, top line revenue is about $10 million. Uh, on our base of several billion dollars. So it's a very small part of our business. Uh, so, the, you know, not much of a financial or business impact to our business. Since that comment, WeWork announced it's partnering with the UN to help the more than one million refugees who fled Ukraine, adding it's also offering flex space across Eastern Europe to displaced Ukrainian businesses. However, WeWork still operating in Russia. I want to talk more about all of this with Alfred Schwong, general partner at Race Capital. Alfred, I want to start big picture. We are witnessing, you are no stranger to witnessing global conflict and the impact on global and local economies. Just how chilling do you think the impact of this invasion of Ukraine will be on the global economy and on the tech industry? Hi, Emily. Thank you for having me back. Very good to see you. Um, well, this, this is a very personal matter for me because I, uh, when I was CEO of BEA System, uh, in September 11, we uh, lost two employees, one in the towel, one on Flight 93. So um, I like a part of me have forever died when those kind of things happen. And I have to be the one to call the family. It was a very, very tough time. And, you know, what, these are chilling experience and memory. So for me, um, I think this impact is going to be um, a very long term and very big. Um, 
we, I've been wanting our own companies and also the OPF offices and employees in the Ukraine for quite some time since early January to take measure and uh, set up backup plans for having backup offices in neighboring countries. Oh, thank goodness at this point, I have, we have everyone accounted for and they have now since safely have uh, been in, moved to safe places and they continue um, have been able to resume working. But it's a extremely scary time. Money has been pouring into startups over the last couple of years. Do you think that's going to slow down? Um, I think um, likely not because of justice invasion. Um, without any doubt, um, we are going to be seeing um, some of the softening in the IPO market. You know, some people believe the IPO market is temporarily close. So when you have liquidity kind of all of a sudden drying up, we will be seeing some late stage deals softening up on valuations or maybe even having some early signs of you know, difficulty in fundraising. But it's going to take a long time before it trickle down to the early stage deals. In particular, I think most of the venture investors have raised a lot of money throughout this time. So we have a lot of dry powder to continue to invest in companies. Um, the view of investing in those companies obviously over time will change, you know, um, because think about this, like our own companies now we have to advise them, like take to take everything about the sanction very seriously. So if they are selling uh, to Russia's, they will have to be very careful and we have to assume some of those customers will have to say goodbye to. So that will have impact. The European market has been extremely hot for early stage startup for the last 12 months. There's no doubt that will be impacted in this coming year, in the, in the rest of 2022. So those impact we're gonna be feeling um, pretty well. So for startups, I all advise them to be careful with their cash and to have you know ample run rate and be careful if they wanna um, be going out to fundraise, to do it early and do it diligently. Now, we just went through the list of businesses cutting ties to Russia. I spoke with Brian Chesky, the CEO of Airbnb, just a couple of days ago and asked whether or not Airbnb would cut off service to Russia. Take a listen to what he had to say just a couple of days ago. Are you willing to consider, uh, you know, tougher self-sanctioning in Russia, even though, you know, you know, it sounds like hosts are limited right now based on what they can do. But would Airbnb consider going so far as to cut off the service? I think all things are on the table right now. So we're really focused right now. I've been working around the clock with the team to try to figure out how can we house 100,000 refugees from Ukraine. But we have another team working with local governments and really trying to answer these questions. And if we have an update, we'll certainly let you know. Brian Chesky tweeting last night that Airbnb is indeed now cutting off service to Russia and Belarus. Is this something that you think all companies should be doing? Well, that's definitely the advice I've been giving to our own startup CEO. So we actually, most of our company have come to me over the last um, weekend in particular, we're seeing our open source companies seeing huge amount of package download from Russia. And some of the CEO was calling me and said, what should I do? So I've been advising them and said, at this point in time, you must block because we honestly don't know how to sanction, you know, where does it lie and what our responsibility are. But, you know, we also have to play our part, right? So what is right has to be right. I mean, this is a time where we all have to step up, you know, to have our moral gauges to know what's the right thing to do. And one other thing I would like to add though, 
the Russian people are innocent, right? So most of them, they, they have nothing to do with this wall. So we, we, we got to be very careful. We don't end up discriminating many of our friends that are good friends that are doing the right thing that are Russians. So we got to have that distinction very, very carefully. Right. There's a line between, you know, a fine line between who is this affecting and, and, and clearly these sanctions are impacting a lot of everyday Russian citizens. To that point, how much money is in the venture capital ecosystem, how much Russian money is in the venture capital ecosystem, and should founders be questioning whether to take that money? Should they return that money? Yeah, so for us, obviously, in, for us, we have never taken any Russian money um, for our fund, for the people to invest in our fund. Um, I'm sure that throughout this time, there are people that directly and directly have invested into venture capital or directly into direct deals into the companies over this time. But I think those are the things where we need our government to guide us to know what's going to be that line and money that they have taken that are actually ingrained in the spending of the company. What do we do with them? Those obviously are not for me to judge. Those are actually we need um, guidance from the State Department and to know exactly what to do. I mean, we, we've seen this movie before. We have, you know, the Sivius, you know, when we have shut down, you know, funding from China. And then I think overall, very smoothly, our industry and also, you know, the tech companies were able to react very quickly and were able to tuck right in line and be able to comply to all the, all, all the needs. At this point in time, I think we're still too early. It's very chaotic. I think the most important thing to do is to worry about the people. If we have employees, if we have companies, we have founders, we have to make sure them and their families are safe. That's job one. What about venture capitalists? Venture capitalists are very powerful. They've got a lot of money. They're typically more quiet. Should they be taking action, cutting ties, uh, you know, pulling people out of funds, you know, cutting off partnerships? Um, actually, I think some of them are not as quiet as you think. I know that I have good friends, you know, they run very large funds. They've been very active. They've created email aliases. A lot of actions have been taken to help the Ukrainian people, you know, to end the situation now. I'm sure that I think in the days and the weeks to come, we're going to see actions from venture funds of taking actions, you know, also in terms of sanctioning what um, the Russian money coming in. We all have to do our part. It can't be just, you know, at a very, very macro level. You know, I think at a fine green level, we all have to do our part. I'm sure this is coming. Alfred Trung, Race Capital General Partner, thank you for sharing your perspective you. here with us. Coming up. We're going to be joined by Kraken CEO Jesse Powell, a deep dive on the role of crypto in the Russian invasion and the Ukrainian resistance, and how his crypto exchange is navigating the crisis and calls to cut Russia off. This is Bloomberg. Crypto industry has gotten a lot of attention after Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Some government officials wondering whether Russia or the country's tycoons might be able to skirt sanctions using crypto and Ukraine actively seeking donations via digital assets. But Binance, Coinbase, Kraken and more have come out against blanket bans on Russian users. I want to bring in Kraken CEO Jesse Powell for more on this. Look, Jesse, you've been very clear that Kraken won't freeze the accounts of general 
Russian users. Given the events of the last 24 hours, Putin's escalation of this war, does your position on that still stand? It does still stand. You know, it's, it's really hard to know uh, as a private business, you know, which doesn't have a, a major global geopolitical analyst function uh, inside of trying to evaluate these, these situations play by play. Um, you know, we, we look at our role as being able to follow uh, executive orders from the White House, being able to follow OFAC and, and sanctions coming from the government. Uh, we're very happy to comply with those. We've got a long history of working with governments and law enforcement. Um, but to ourselves, just decide to impose uh, account freezes on individual Russians who uh, probably don't support this invasion, uh, I think is a, a bit a step too far. And, you know, it's freezing someone's finances is, is more than just sort of stopping selling them uh, shoes or uh, photo filters. You know, it's, it's a pretty extreme measure and uh, we won't do it until um, we're forced to do it by the government. We know the Department of Justice is going after luxury assets of Russian tycoons, including crypto assets. Have you been contacted by enforcement officials? Are you cooperating? And what do you think the role is of exchanges in that respect? Yeah, I mean, Kraken dealt with over 2,500 law enforcement requests last year. Um, so we're, we're in regular contact with, with law enforcement and regulators and governments around the world pretty much at all times. You know, we, we get more than 10 requests per business day. So we're actively in communication. We've got a 24-7 compliance team of over 600 people who is monitoring the situation and ready to respond to sanctions or any kind of executive order coming from the government. Um, as a U.S.-based company, we're, we're obviously following the, the rules of the United States. And so uh, when we hear from the government that there's something to do, uh, we will comply and, and we'll do that. Do you see the legal risk, though, as escalating? And are you consulting with officials actively to assess that and figure out what Kraken should be doing? Uh, it's, it's an ordinary course of business for us. There's not really anything special to do here. We're monitoring the situation. Um, you know, we're sort of passive here in, in that the government can contact us at any time. We have regular contact with the government. Um, and many governments around the world. And so um, there's not sort of an active dialogue going on about what we're going to do outside of any kind of um, formal regulatory requirement. Now, Chainalysis is reporting data that shows Russians, residents in sanctions hit Russia. They're not in a hurry to trade on crypto exchanges. Is that what you're seeing? What color can you give us on volume and liquidity? Well, you know, Kraken doesn't have a ruble market. And so if Russians did historically want to get money into Kraken, they would have to be going through the euro or the dollar, uh, you know, generally through the SWIFT wire system to get money in. And now that banks are shut off from SWIFT in Russia, it's going to be very hard for people in Russia to get money out of the country and into the global crypto exchanges. So. Uh, I think they're going to have a tough time there. Um, we haven't seen much activity coming out of Russia. You know, people might have already had their money in Kraken. They're still free to trade it. They're free to withdraw their cryptocurrency out of Kraken. But um, there hasn't been a lot of activity, and I think that's largely due to, to the sanctions that are in place now on the banking system. People just can't get their money in and out of the country now. And what about crypto going in and out of Ukraine? Obviously, we know that... Uh, 
Ukraine has raised millions of dollars worth of digital assets. What kind of volume and liquidity are you seeing there? Yeah, a huge uptick in activity around the Ukraine. Obviously, tens of millions of dollars have been donated directly with cryptocurrency. And I think that's an amazing story to follow that the, the government has directly raised money from all over the world to, to finance the defense. And uh, people are able to, through through crypto crowdfunding, able to, to support people directly without any sort of intermediary. Um, and you know, we saw something similar in Canada as well when, when the government of Canada sanctioned its own citizens and, and turned off protesters from the banking system. Cryptocurrency was there to, to continue to support people and be that financial rail of last resort uh, you know, where the government had revoked those permissions. Ukraine is calling for more crypto donations, not just in the form of Bitcoin, but Doge and Tether. We've seen some mixed results here. Do you see the scope of digital assets as a force for good, or is it more complicated than that? Definitely a force for good. I think currency choice generally is a force for good. I think the, um, the sort of de-weaponization of the financial system is a good thing. And you know, we, we look at sanctions uh, against Russia as generally a good thing, a, a good way to to non-violently, non-physically respond to uh, you know a policy that we don't like. Um, well, those those same uh, weapons that we impose on Russia, the sanctions can also be imposed against uh, your own citizens, and we've seen this happen in many countries around the world. Obviously, Canada most recently, but. Um, you know, often regimes turn inward against their own people. And when that happens, um, once funds are frozen, it's very hard to leave that situation. And so cryptocurrency is something that sort of exists as sort of cash under the mattress, um, you know, that you can take with you if you want to get out of a bad situation, if your bank account has been frozen without due process. You know, when your funds are frozen without due process, that means it's on you to go back and fight to get that back. And without any money to do that, you know, you're worried about feeding your family. You don't have money to pay a lawyer to try to go get your money back that's been frozen in your bank account. So I think a lot of people are looking at crypto now as, as a sort of backup plan, you know, as an insurance policy against their government turning against them. What's your take on the macro risks right now, though? What are you most concerned about, especially as it pertains to cryptocurrency? I know you and I have had a lot of conversations about price and Bitcoin going to the moon, in, in your words. And, and we've certainly seen Bitcoin rallying, but then also pull back. Mm -hmm. are, you, are you concerned about the risks to crypto, given what we're seeing in global equities? No, you know, I, I think I think you just look at the long-term 10-year chart of Bitcoin and, you know, it's outperforming everything else in the world. So I'm not worried about it. And these kinds of geopolitical problems, you know, we're seeing with Canada and Russia are um, great examples of, of where Bitcoin really shines. You know, outside of being a speculative asset, it's really solving real problems for people on the ground. And I think the more people are going to see that and it's going to become an even bigger thing as people look to Bitcoin as a safe haven Kraken CEO Jesse Powell. Jesse, always good to have you here. Thanks for sharing your perspective with us. Appreciate it. Coming up, Apple plans to unveil a new iPhone SE with 5G in a few days. Is it the right move for the company?
we'll discuss. More on that next. This is Bloomberg. In early March, Apple plans to unveil an iPhone SE with 5G. But the big announcement should really be a significant price cut to the current SE. The model currently costs $400, but if Apple really wanted to, it could lower the current model to $200 and turn it into a full-featured, low-priced phone for areas like South America, parts of Asia, and Africa that are currently Android strongholds. A $200 phone would make the current SE an extremely hot seller to those who don't need the functionality of 5G or a $1,000 plus iPhone 13. By expanding its user base with a $200 device, Apple could create more long-term services revenue and add way more people to its ecosystem fairly quickly. Dropping the price of the current SE to $200 would also give Apple an easy answer to its iPod Touch conundrum. That would allow the company to, quite frankly, discontinue the three-year-old iPod at the same price. Such a device could also greatly assist Apple in India. That's a market that Apple once talked up as its next China, but one that's really been a bit of a roller coaster for the company in recent years. Recent data points the sub-5% market share for Apple in India, but the average phone price in the country is now about $200, meaning that Apple could potentially have a winner on its hands there with a nice price cut. Still, it's unclear if Apple will actually ever do this, but there may be no better time than this March, when Apple plans to release a new high-end 5G iPhone SE. I'm Mark Gurman. This is Power On. Don't forget, you can subscribe to Mark's weekly Power On newsletter at Bloomberg.com, and we'll be following that Apple event next week. Apple updating its return to office policy. Meantime, the company is setting April 11th as the deadline for corporate employees to return to in-person work at least one day a week, marking a key test of whether the tech giant can reestablish office life in a post-pandemic era. This coming a few days after Google sets its own return to office for April 4th. And Meta is actively looking at halting all advertising in Russia, according to Vice President for Global Business, Nicola Mendelssohn. She spoke to my colleague, Caroline Hyde, earlier. Take a listen to what she had to say about Meta's actions when it comes to advertising in Russia. Take a listen. We are taking extensive steps across all of our apps to ensure the safety of our community and also to support the people who are using our services, both in the Ukraine and all over the world as well. We've established a special operations center. It's working round the clock. It's responding um, to activity that we're seeing on our platforms in real time. And we're really closely you know, monitoring the situation. We'll be monitoring that, of course. I'm Emily Chang. This is Bloomberg. Audio Jungle.
you highlighted coming into this game. The other Tanea Beecham will be coming off the bench shortly as Packer lets it fly from three. She knocks it down. Nicely executed in their press offense. These teams haven't met since mid-December as Moore McNeil will knock down the three. A tremendous start. She's already at her season average. She's multifaceted, but yes, that mid-range is where her bread is buttered. Three seconds left for Berger against Nikolasha Kova, but on that shot over the center. Shot clock for Holmes and the Hoosiers. Packer calling forward. She's going to dial up another one, and she has got it. Two for two for long range for Packer. Beecham. Finding Sheldon, nice looking pick and roll, but Whisney comes over and says no. And your balance, those are the things that you need to continue to work on as you're coming back from injury. Broken up by Cardano Hillary. Poked away and turned over. Sheldon attacking, finishing, plus the foul. Great anticipation skills and can finish as we've seen the last two possessions in traffic. Obey with her first touch, kicks it out to Patberg, gets the assist for Patberg. That's three, number three. On COVID illness, was not feeling well after taking part in shoot-around this morning. Kulashikova, the spin up and under, and she will score in the paint right there. So what that affords them is great looks in the middle of the floor, the mid-range, in the backside of that press. Excel flips it up and in. That's her third bucket today. She's up to seven. on top of that ball. It looked like a carry, but she never came under the ball. Cardano Hillary rejected viciously. Give me that. Oh my goodness. But they're not able to score down here because Indiana's defense is tight as a drum. And Miller knocks down the three. She's up to seven. But she's 0 for 4 from three. Sheldon is. Obe backing down. Beecham. Beautifully done. Lob in 
to Holmes. It is blocked by Tanea Beecham, who is sprinting the floor into the hands of Miller, and she will finish on the fast break. Ohio State rejuvenated. You know the shot block for Berger. Rises up, hand in her face, and she drains it. You can circle that entire B1G logo. Drops it off for home. She flips it up with the left hand. Great two-man game with Allie Patberg and Mackenzie Holmes. Into the post, it is Holmes. The double team comes. Cardano Hillary, a clean look, and she drains it right in front of her bed. Hapberg had a great first half that time. Off the backboard. Sheldon in transition and one. Time to go for Indiana. Moore McNeil hands it off to Holmes. Goldbeck. Always call out those screens for your guards. Please do that. And right into the hands of Harris, and she will easily finish right in front. What a miscue by the Hoosiers. So Ohio State, without the rest of the way, will be without one of their best front court players, Cardano. Toughest players you will see in one. If not, won a Big Ten postseason championship since 2018. They need to start getting more shots like Miller's. They need to get more stops. See if Ohio State can gain some leverage. Sheldon finishing over the outstretched arm of Goulbeck. One minute to go. Sheldon going every which way and then to the rim. Oh, perfecto.
I mean, pretty awesome. It makes uh, my job really easy and defense's job really easy when you get a pitching performance like that. Um, Lauren was just spot on. I mean, throwing both sides of the plate, real dominant. The difference was she was very effective with her changeup today. Um, just had great control and command. And when you put a couple crooked numbers up on the scoreboard, it makes the job a little bit easier and takes the pressure off. Coach, in my high school days, I was always told that the, uh, the opposing team would be, it's always nameless, faceless. You go in and play your game. And you really just got to play like you would any other day. So just moving in your matchup against Tennessee, it's one of the stronger SEC teams. And so how are you feeling moving into that? Are you recognizing how good they are? Or are you just going to try to play your game? I mean, we prepare all year long for the toughest competition. I mean, every time I'm evaluating our team, I'm evaluating, can they compete in the College World Series? Can they play against the best? So we don't have to change our approach regardless of who we're playing. We're always measuring ourselves against ourselves. So we don't have to change anything going to Tennessee. The preparation is going to be, you know, what their pitchers throw, which we're talking about every single weekend. I mean, we have to prepare for Bradley and St. Thomas the same way we have to play prepare for Tennessee. Um, we know we have to be very, very disciplined. Um, we can't make a lot of mistakes because we know Tennessee is going to capitalize on them. But again, we don't we don't change our approach going in just because it's an SEC weekend. Coach, uh, how many perfect games have you been a part of? Um, not enough. <laughs> yeah, I'm not. I'm not really sure. I have to go back and look through the archives. Um, even before they had computers and the internet, but. Uh, you know, anytime you're a part of a perfect game, it's it's really special. I get the same the same jitters, the same nervousness, um, looking through exactly how I pitched them before, what's working, do I need to make any adjustments? Um, I think the hardest thing is if we're going to give up a perfect game, I want to make sure I'm doing it with their best pitch. I'm not going to give up a perfect game trying to overthink and and do things that are out of the ordinary. So I stay with what's working and what she's throwing well and, and really how she's getting out. It's rather trying to be too cute and too smart. Coach, next weekend begins the stretch of SEC play where we start to see the removal of a little bit of some of those double headers. And so what does team maintenance really look like moving forward into that slate where it's a lot easier to kind of spread out your pitching? It's so much easier for the coaching staff to start in terms of our, our scouting and our preparation, preparing for five games in a weekend and, um, you know, even two different teams over a weekend is, is really tough and it's tough for the players and it's tough for the coaches, um, you know, to be able to prepare them for multiple pitchers. Um, so that really starts, so it makes it a little bit more single focus throughout the week that we can solely focus on Tennessee. Um, we can really zero into the pitchers that they have on their staff and really simulate that the entire week of practice on, this is who you're facing today, but this is the type of pitcher she throws, this is how what our game plan needs to go in, and then we can change either 
RGAs who are throwing. We can change how the machine is throwing to us. So we're simulating new pitchers coming in. So much easier to stay single focused on, on one team rather than trying to play multiple teams over the course of the weekend. Coach, it's funny in the, in the post game um, yesterday, you know, you were asked about starting pitching today and you said, you know, unsure, but tentatively, you know, maybe uh, Emma Nichols today. And when you wake up, maybe it's the softball gods or you get a little feeling uh, that tells you who to start. What went into that this morning? Because I told obviously, you, like, there's, there's a little something's whispering in my ear at night while I'm sleeping and I wake up and I always have a different feeling. But, you know, I wanted Emma, Emma needs the pitching time. Um, and she was ready to go. Literally, I went to her in the in the third inning and I said, I'm scoreboard watching right now. I want to make sure that you get in. If we end this game early in five, I want to be able to get you in. But when you're having a perfect game going on, you can't make a lot of changes. I'm not I'm not going to disrupt that in any way. I wanted Megan Mall behind the plate. Um, I even ran Shanti's Phillips out to center field. And then I'm like, no, 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 we can't make any changes right now. And um, I was able to get Robbie in because it was a little earlier in the game to make that defensive change. But, you know, I woke up this morning and I, I was thinking about Bradley and their swings and their swings, the way they swing would have matched Emma Nichols. Emma Nichols throws a drop. And their swings were really conducive to, to be able to handle a drop. Um, so that's why I went with Krings. And I said to Emma before the game, like, it has nothing to do with you. It's the starters that are going so deep. Um, and they're throwing no hitters and perfect games really late. And we're ending games early. So this is a really good thing while you're not pitching. You don't want to pitch. <laughs> Even though the game's on the line, um, I'm going to go to her in a second. So that was why I made the change. And realistically, I was planning on us scoring a bunch of runs and making a change early like I did yesterday with Jordan. I mean, after first inning, and we put up, what, six runs in that first inning. I said, Jordan, great job. You got us out of a jam. Now I'm going to go to Schumacher because um, we were able to put up so many runs early and rest Jordan a little bit more. But um you know, that's just sometimes I have that gut instinct and I just go with it. I made a pretty good decision, didn't I? <laughs> it's just uh, how special was this uh, the home debut for you guys to, to go out and dominate like you did um, all three days? I is huge. I mean, it's it's so great to play in front of your home crowd. Um, the energy on Friday was electric. And I just kept saying to the dugout, like, let's keep them in it. Let's, let's keep the fans engaged because we want them to keep coming back week after week. Um, but it's so, it's so awesome. And you just want everybody just to keep talking about Mizzou softball. Coach, one last thing for me. You mentioned yesterday that, well, I, I personally noticed that the batting this week has been fairly solid. I'd say that the, the fielding has been pretty great, but you know, you mentioned yesterday that there were some base running problems and there were a few more today. And so what's practice going to look like this week and how are you planning on cracking down on that before your SEC opener? 
You know, I'm I'm going to sit back and I'm going to analyze it a little bit because I've always told them they're never, ever going to get yelled at for being too aggressive. So I have to look back and say, were some of their decision-making because they were too aggressive? And I, I got to let some of those things go um, or they were they just poor decisions. So, you know, I think some of the some of the things where Cassidy Shomo hit that ball to the gap and she's rounding second and, and really ran Frizzell out of the inning um, off the base, that's that's not making a very good decision versus Jenna Laird getting thrown out of third. That's aggressiveness. Um, so we're going to probably do a lot more live situations where our starters are probably going to be on the bases a little bit more than our starters playing defense. Um, we have a tendency when we're, when we're scrimmaging that a lot of our backup players are running the bases to put the pressure on our starting defense. And I might have to flip flop it a little bit to have our starters run the bases so they can get some more live reads. Any more questions for coach? Yeah, coach, uh, you know, yesterday uh, there were a few tweets about the all-female uh, umpire crew, you know, uh, celebrating Title IX. Can you talk a little bit more about that? And, you know, you have an all-female coaching staff and, and what this kind of 50th anniversary means to you. Yeah, and I'm glad you brought that up. Um, when I noticed that it was an all-female umpire crew, I reached out to our coordinator and I just said, this is really awesome. And she relayed back to me, this is Christy Cornwell, who's our umpire signer for the SEC. And she said she was very deliberate in doing it um, in knowing that what we were doing and that we would recognize it um, and that we had an all-female head coaches that were playing in our tournament. Um, so us realizing that and, and kind of exploiting it a little bit um, I always, I want to empower my players and I'm a true believer in giving our female student athletes something to emulate, to look up to. Um, I was very deliberate in making sure that I had an all female staff this year. I had Chris Malvo last year and he was phenomenal. And when, when he left, um, I wanted to make sure that I'm giving our players role models so that they know, and, and not that they want to be a coach or they want to be an umpire, but they want to see strong women in leadership positions, um, that they know that they can accomplish anything that they set out to do. And that's, the, that's really what I want to recognize, that these females and these girls that I have within my program can, can do anything they want. And you can't be what you can't see. So it's recognizing that we do have some strong females in some leadership positions. And it really starts with our athletic director, Desiree Reed Francois, um, to be able to give, give some recognition to these, these women and get them empowered that they can accomplish anything. Anything else for coach? Thanks, Thanks. we'll see you next weekend. Audio Jungle.
When you hear about opioid overdoses, you probably don't realize half of the nation's overdoses happen in the exact same spot. It's happening right at home. Georgians are accidentally dying in their own homes because people don't understand the dangers of taking an Oxy or Perk for sleep, stress, or with a glass of alcohol. Learn how to protect your family from opioid overdose at opioidresponse.info. This message is brought to you by Georgia DBHDD. The Triple B Podcast would like to invite you to come break bread with your brothers. If you like what you're hearing on the show, if you think we missed the mark, or if we got it all wrong, reach out to us on social media. We can be reached on Twitter at triple underscore B underscore pod or search Brothers Breaking Bread Podcast. We are the Brothers Breaking Bread on Facebook and our email is brothersbreakingbreadpod at gmail.com. Further descriptions are in the show notes. Like, follow, friend, do all that good stuff. And please never forget to break bread with your brothers. How y'all doing? We out here chilling on the spot. What up? This title I already got. If I was in Florida reading this title, I would probably be arrested because you can't make white people feel uncomfortable. But the White Privilege Conference, what you need to know about this Charlotte event. Now, in its 23rd year, the conference seeks to move beyond discussions uh, or diversity and inclusion. Uh, conference founder Eddie Moore Jr. tells Q City Metro. Hundreds of people are registered to attend the White Privilege Conference scheduled for March 9th through the 12th at Charlotte Convention Center, now in its 23rd year. Our focus is on people who want to do, st- uh, who want to do stuff, okay, and really challenge themselves at a different level, he said. A career educator, Moore, is founder and director of the Privilege Institute, a nonprofit, excuse me, organization based in Green Bay, Wisconsin. What? Oh, damn. He know about white privilege. He up in Green Bay, Wisconsin. <laughs> Has he met Aaron? Well, I don't know. What'd you say? Wants to do stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone has some degree of privilege, Moore says. The issue is whether the privilege is used for good or ill. Okay. Uh, it's a high-level conference designed for people who want to move beyond diversity and inclusion, kind of a one-on-one entry-level conversation, conversations and get into conversations about systemic power, systemic privilege, individual power, individual privilege through the lens of examining white supremacy, white privilege, and other forms of oppression. Okay. Right. Any, any, I guess, uh, probably too late to get a ticket. Any of y'all going? Uh, probably not. Okay. I am not. Uh, no, no, no. I 
mean, I'm not, but I but I commend what they what they trying to do from what I from what I read. Yes. Um. You know, I I know. I think whoever was interviewing them for that article, or whatever, mentioned like they was like, uh, you know, back in 1999 or 2000 when you started this, uh, white supremacy wasn't being talked about like, you know, it's it's been being talked about the last, you know two, three years or so. Right. Uh, basically, whenever somebody said anything about white supremacy, they would, you know, you you would think of uh, burning crosses and, and white sheets and white hoods and shit, you know what I'm saying? Yes. But yes. not the whole systemic, uh, the power structure, you know what I mean, uh, in America and in the world, actually, of, of white supremacy, yep. you know? So, uh, and, you know, and, and the guy, I forget his name, that, that uh, uh, started the conference, uh, saying, you know, that's what that, that was one of the things that he wanted to accomplish or that he wanted to do was, um, Eddie you know, Moore, basically just Eddie Moore Jr. That. Eddie Moore Jr. Eddie Moore Jr. Yeah, yes, exactly. Uh, who is a black man? Yep. Uh, I seen his I seen his picture on the on the in the article. Um, you know, but anyways, that's what he you know that was one of the things that he wanted to to accomplish to to break that uh, that stereotype. Of, of the word white supremacy, you know what I'm saying? To break that connotation that you think it's just these, uh, you know, these uh, hate groups or whatnot, uh, like the KKK and, and, and neo-Nazis and so forth. But to show, you know, to, to make it uh, more well understood and common knowledge that, uh, you know, it, it's, it's, it's a systemic um, situation, you know what I mean? So. Yeah. I think they're doing, they're doing some, you know, they're doing some good work. I don't know exactly what they're doing. I, I haven't attended, you know, but from the information that, that I received from reading that article, it sounds like they're at least trying to do some good shit. Yeah. I mean, I think, it, yeah. And, and yeah, I'm going by some numbers here. Uh, the question was asked in past years, what has been the racial makeup of the conference? Answer, it depends on what state we're in. Primarily, though, the... The consistent breakdown has been about 60, 60% to 75% white. Cool. And other possible 40% to 25% of people of, of, of color. Again, when we were in Iowa, it was 75-25. Uh, I guess I'm thinking white and others. Uh, when we were in Charlotte, possibly because of more diverse populations in that area, in that region, we could see more 60-40. You know, so, I mean, I, it, it, you know, and he was talking about getting at least six... Uh, in Charlotte, they got 600. They didn't speak of the numbers in other cities, but I'm guessing probably about mm -hmm. the same. Um, so, I mean, you're talking about 600, 500 people come to the conference and where it's a conference of talking about privilege, and 75% of that is white. I mean, that's, that's pretty good. And he also said uh, that a, 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 I don't remember the percentages, and I can't see the thing, but uh, he was saying that a, a pretty good percentage of, of the attendees are like high school age students, okay. or high school age people, you know what I mean? So, right. I mean, that's even, that's even more impressive because you're catching, you know, you're catching people while they're young, while they're still impressionable, you know what I mean? And, and getting them to think about shit that, uh, you know, a lot of state governors and, and, and state legislatures are trying to shut down right now. You know, trying to keep uh, uh, school age kids from having to deal with and confront and even fucking consider and think about. You know what I mean? So, uh, you know, they can try to stop it, but it ain't it ain't gonna stop it, man. We, you know, the fight continues. The fight continues. And speaking of a place that needs that fight, Illinois, kill all the blacks. Distraught mother pulls kids out of school as racist taunts 
Royal uh, Illinois community. Uh, parents in Illinois are outraged at the eighth grade students from the Paxton Buckley uh, Lodata school system posted a video on social media saying phrases such as kill all the blacks, kill all the blacks, get back in your cage, monkey. We should have had him for the uh, Cooning It Up episode. Uh, the News Gazette reports Kate Grayson, who uh, who has five, who has had five children that attended uh, PBL, said the video was the last straw. She's taking her children out of the school system. They all have had this problem. Grayson said, "My oldest daughter was told to stand up for herself on the bus. She stood up for herself, and they kicked her off the bus. That's what they do to niggas." Um, yep. And I was reading this, and I think this is the same. Well, it happened so much. I think, I think they were trying to tell her to stand up for herself and. Put one foot in front of the other foot. And just leave. Walk your ass to class. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> so I think, um, but 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 this is the thing though, right? Um, recently, we had so many stories. I can't remember which ones we covered, but I think this was the area, on a similar area, where they talked about a few years ago. Some of the kids in high school did the whole Civil War flags, the Rebel flags. Uh, Bingham said they flew them behind their trucks toward the end of the school year, and they were walking up and down the halls calling my daughter a racial epithet, uh, probably not black queen, uh, probably nigger. Uh, she was always teased because of her color. Mm-hmm. 2020-22 You know what I'm saying But hey Don't Teach uh, I hate when people say Critical race theory Because it's just We're just teaching American history But don't it's teach the, all that yeah. shit Because it makes It makes uh, white kids feel bad But it's okay To make niggas feel unwanted Yeah So Yeah man um, Yeah we gotta do better well, let's just say we, but America got it. And by, uh, yeah. <laughs> and what we mean by we, we mean by white people. <clears throat> but some niggas too. Clarence Thomas would be like, this is good. This is good. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Clarence Thomas like just, Clarence Thomas Clarence just leaned Thomas. back and rolled. And he probably, even though he a, he a coon, he probably got a backwood that he didn't split open and said, this is good. It's real good. <laughs> My name is Claren Thomas, and I'm other uh, horse tooth uh, uh, attorney from. Uh, My bad, dog. No, that was that was good. My name is Clarence Thomas, and I endorse this message. Approve this message, right? That, oh my God, you niggas be acting stupid. I love it. Okay, okay, I'm back. Go ahead, Ten. What are you saying? No, I was like the the other uh, horse tooth bro- horse tooth brother from um, Daniel Cameron. Yeah, uh, supercuts. That's what I call him. Mm-hmm. Yep. Supercuts. <laughs> <laughs> that's where he get his. That's where he that's get his. Where his, his head. Head. Come on now, supercuts. y'all seen that niggas line? Come on, y'all that seen that niggas edge up? Y'all, we had it on the show. Y'all seen that niggas edge up? That's supercut. That nigga um. edge up is fucked up. <laughs> It now, looked like somebody to took an axe to that nigga shit. Yeah. <laughs> now, from time to time, I go supercuts because I have no hairline, thanks to my daddy. Mm-hmm. So, there we go. <laughs> well, you know, that motherfucker's shit. We're not going to use traditional clips. That's why you said he abandoned you 30 years ago. Yeah. He's like, <laughs> he's like, he's like nigga, you'll wake up one day, your hairline will be gone. You'll know. You'll know why. Yeah. You'll remember exactly. me then. Yeah, you will. <laughs> Shit. Then I see Joe. Then I see Joe. I see Joe with all that hair. That's why I be wanting to fight that nigga. That's why we be arguing. This nigga, this nigga just be growing hair. He only want to grow it. (laughs) 
You're an appreciative motherfucker. I was like, I agree with you, but I want to fight you, nigga, because I hit your hair. Because yeah. you got all that pretty hair and shit, and I can't even... Now, he's playing with the, now, the now, now look at him. He's playing with the curls and shit. Man, come on, man. Let me pop it. Anyway. I'm like, you... You ungrateful motherfucker. Uh, 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 okay. Like, Joe, uh, you know what I used to have to do to get curls in my hair? Shit. I used to have to get that kit, bro. Have you ever heard of Hawaiian silky? I used to burn the fuck out of my stick. Hawaiian silky? Have you ever put Hawaiian silky on your hair and forget to take it off? That's why y'all niggas bald now. Yeah, that is why I'm bald now, though. <laughs> I wanted that damn good hair, my shit uh, just start burning, man. That's why my that's why my hairline in the shape of Key West, nigga, because I used Hawaiian silk. You was over there sticking your head in the toilet, like, Detroit, like, yeah. like Detroit Red. Detroit Red. Hey, so, hey, hey, let me let me let me tell you how I get my hair ready to board it, bro. Shut up. Oh, oh, you know what? We're gonna move on. Now you gonna. See, I throw I throw some water in my hair and oh. shake my head around like it's Baywatch, nigga. <laughs> <That's motherfucking> <laughs> <laughs> That nigga said, they ain't white. <laughs> and they just come flocking. <laughs> Hate this nigga. This nigga got this nigga got hair. This nigga got hair privilege. We gonna we gonna go to the conference. Nigga talk about your hair privilege, nigga. <laughs> <laughs> your white hair. Your white hair privilege. Oh shit. Hey, nah, man. We can't we can't do that shirt no more, man. Nah. Yeah. Oh, hey, congratulate. I can't fuck with Joe Jeff no more. It's gonna go, it's gonna, it's gonna go to his head. Hey. It ain't gonna right. go to his head. Yeah, I can't participate, so appreciate it. <laughs> That's pretty good. That's pretty good. We would not ever go to the beach. I'm gonna just throw sand in niggas' hair. Watch it. Watch it lock, watch it lock up. That's all right. It's good. I'm gonna get sand in there, but just shake it out. <laughs> okay. I hate it. All right. Uh, it's gonna be in slow motion too. It's gonna be. Oh, hell no. It's gonna be like a day spell. That nigga gonna have. Take my breath away. Oh shit! Got me over here sweating. Man. All right, that's good <laughs> shit. That's this good nigga shit. Samson, my strength is in my hand. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that got me over here. We sweating. know now your secret out. <laughs> got me, got me sweating. I still have strength. Hey, uh, Freddie Gibbs uh, goes on Joe Rogan's podcast and condemns Ho's use of the N word, but says he isn't racist. Let's hear. Uh, you go to racist shit, <laughs> jumping it off. Right? Yeah, it's the last day of White Guilt Month. We gotta, you know, we're going out with the bang. They're trying to get my man Rogan. You know, you can't be racist no more. You can try. Did he say White Guilt Month? They yeah. said White yeah, Guilt. They did. Okay. I just, I just, okay. All right. Can we say? Can we say nigga? You can. Okay. You can. Well, right. if I want to say, I'll just pause and then just fill in the blanks. Just, right. Just so send anytime it off to me. there's a, a just video, send me, <laughs> just send it off to me, Joe. You can't say that shit, Joe, because no. you you pissed niggas off when you did that compilation. It was funny as fuck, though. I can't even lie, but you know. Well, I didn't mean it as a compilation. compilation, but they made a compilation. Oh, I am aware. And that shit was crazy. Yeah, yeah not good. But the, but hey, man, look, I don't think you're a racist, my nigga. You my nigga. I Thank fuck you. with you. I appreciate so I don't, it. I don't. I don't. I never thought you was a racist. I just I'm think you just saying some shit you shouldn't have said, and a lot of us niggas say some stuff that we shouldn't say. Sometimes it is what it is. Well, that's the only word that like you, you can't say no matter what. Nah, you got to get that to us. That's the thing. I want to tell what. <sighs> Okay, I, I don't know about Joe Rogan, but 
what is the obsession with white people in like this one word? I want to say. I gotta say it. Yeah. I gotta say it. And then like you got like I don't know how much Joe Rogan paying this moon cricket in the corner, but somebody slap this nigga. Uh, Black white guilt month. Black, um, I'm sorry, white guilt month. The last day of white guilt month. That's what he said. I think he was trying to be funny, man. I feel you, but like doing, like we talking about this topic of racism and the the nigger compilation, and this is the nigger you got talked like easy. <laughs> I think he's trying to be funny, but he's setting us back. I think man. I think Joe Rogan was trying to be funny. Some of them times too, he was saying nigger. He was definitely, yeah, he was. And yeah. like, okay. Like that motherfucker said when he went to the black movie theater or in that or Planet a movie the theater in the black one, yeah, it was Planet of the Apes. And and, and and we talked about it in our chat group. Like he may not be a racist, but he has no problem using racist language. Mm-hmm. Or he got a, it sound like it sound like he got a problem now. But I mean, it took that motherfucker a whole lot of hints. To get, get the message. Yeah. Right. It, it, and I get it. He's trying to be like this, you know, this. And he's tried to explain it before. This pseudo deep white dude that says, I'm going to take away the power of that word by saying it. And it's like, mm, you could just not say no, it, nigga. Just don't say it. Yeah, you could not say You could just yeah. shut the fuck up and just have right. your podcast, make your millions of dollars, do your UFC, whatever. Is it, U, is it UFC guy? Which, yeah, I don't yeah, know UFC. what you can't be with. Yeah, UFC guy. Do your UFC shit, make your money, sell your fake brain, sell your fake, your fake brain pills, and just be happy, my nigga. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't hate Joe Rogan. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I, I really don't think it's malicious. Do I, do, I, do I like that he's... No, I don't like that shit, but Here's the thing. Look, he he works for the you know the UFC. You don't think he's around? You know some of the baddest fucking motherfuckers on the planet. That don't mean that don't mean that don't mean he's around entertainers. That don't mean nothing. That's like like to me, you're around entertainers. You're around people who are at the. You're at you have you're around people who are subservient to the industry of the UFC, who are there to make money. Are they gonna just punch Joe Rogan in the face and then get kicked out and not make money? Right. No, you're right. You're right, but that's just, that's just it. He can get away with it because the entertainment industry it, shields him from this shit. And don't get me wrong, well, I, I don't. I think he. Oh, go ahead. go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead, AC. I've been talking too much. No, go I was ahead. just gonna think he's one. Of, I think he's one of these people who fall victim into uh, uh, kind of like the clip earlier with the the guy talking about uh, Ukraine. Blonde hair, blue eyes. Blonde hair, blue eyes. He's one of these people who fall victim yeah. to what their environment is, and, and and Joe Rogan's podcast is damn near like our podcast as far as we just on here with our boys talking, so we talk how we talk, and that's just how that motherfucker truly talks. Right, but and, 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 and again, it, it, it it's racist. You know what I'm saying? Is 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 out there like that? But that's how that mm-hmm. motherfucker talks. That's why that motherfucker felt so comfortable saying, you know, white guilt month. Like right. he's sliding it in as a joke, but it's just like a drunk mind and a comic. But that's mind. but that's the black dude saying that shit. That's the black dude yeah, saying that shit. Yeah, the black dude said that. The black dude said. Well, yeah. I mean, st- yeah, you know what I'm saying. I feel you saying. Yes, but around the motherfuckers you are around. But what I'm saying is, yeah, we say a lot of shit. You know what I'm saying. But we True. ain't just on the podcast saying Pecker Wood this, Crackers this, 
blah blah no. blah this and this, but I'm like we do say it though. We we have said it. Let's not act like no, no, but but I'm saying, but I'm saying, but we have said it. But I'm saying, but you're not going to be able to put a compilation together of us saying Peckerwood or Cracker. Now I've said it so many times to point out the fact that we haven't said can. it that many times. No. You're not going to be able to put a compilation of of no, us saying not gonna have a, no. Look, man, this is this is I'm gonna I'm gonna say this. I um when I when I listened to the original well to the uh thing the NDRE put out and I heard you know the compilation basically uh I ain't like it you know what I'm saying I fuck with Joe Rogan um but even fuck Joe Rogan at the moment uh I've thought about that myself before I even heard this shit you know before I even was aware of this shit that like sometimes it because I, I'm not really I don't really care for political correctness. You know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. So, so sometimes when, you know, let's say that a story is being reported and, you know, somebody said, somebody called a black person a nigger. You know what I'm saying? But mm-hmm. in the report, and, you know, whether it's written or, or, or visual, you know what I mean? They obviously say the N-word. And I'll be like, you know, everybody know what the fuck you're saying, so just, why don't you just say nigger? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Now I thought that way in the past because I'm just like fuck it, just say it. you you're not calling me a nigger, you're not calling a black person a nigger, you're repeating what this person said. You know what I mean? But when I heard that shit, I didn't like hearing it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So like, you know, I've changed my mind on on uh you know, just on my personal opinion that, you know, a white person, you know, go ahead and, you know, if you if you report in a story or blah, 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 in certain context or whatever, you know what I'm saying? Say the word nigger. That's what you're saying. You're saying by saying the N word, that's what you're fucking saying. And it doesn't it doesn't harm me. You know what I'm saying? Personally. But I but it, at the same time, like I said, it, it, it does kind of harm me. It makes me feel uncomfortable. <laughs> you know what I mean? No, I, I remember one time uh, I had a, a teacher that was, you know, catacorner around the corner, across the hall, whatever, um, to me, white woman, well-intentioned, but a novice teacher, mm-hmm. and a kid, you know, I work at an urban high school, somebody's going to say the N-word, you know what I'm saying? All right. And so she repeated it back to him, and then she told me the story and said that in the story she was repeating how she said right. it, nigga, and I was, I was like, I don't want right, to right. spasm this woman because, you know, she's a comrade. Right. And, but I, I, you know, I think I swallowed it on that one. I was like, yeah. Mm. But I don't know. That's still something right now to this day. I'm like, I don't know, man. I kind of I kind of wish I went in a little bit heavier on that, you know. But It's a tough word, man. It's a word that's it, it it's, is. So, it's so much trauma attached to the word, you know what I'm saying, when someone who is not for, you know, lack of a better example, the same color as you, has the same experience as you. It's a traumatizing fucking word because what's attached to it, you know what I'm saying? Like, I, I, I can't really explain it. I'm not Jewish, so I can't explain any connotations to that. But, mm-hmm. you know... It's, it's, it's anti-melanated, man. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Okay. Straight up. Like, with all of us, we, we know the true history of the word, like... And as a lot of people that we are around know the actual true history of the word. So when you know the actual true history of the word, it's, it's just a feeling that comes over you when the wrong motherfucker say it. This is period. Yeah. 
there. Yeah, like man. it just is. Like we, it's a, it's a, we can call each other right. nigga all day and it mean nothing. Like it's just what's up, my nigga. What's good, my nigga. What's hard, this my nigga. But as soon as that that white man that come in and say the word nigga <laughs> to you, you know what I'm saying? You go. It's gonna strike up some type of. It's gonna strike up something in your head. But but let's not forget though. But let's not forget though. He wasn't saying in that compilation it was nigger. Yeah, he was. Yes. Yeah, it wasn't no nigger. It was nigger. Now he wasn't calling people nigger. No, no, he wasn't calling people nigger. But but, he was saying yeah. I say he wasn't. I'm saying he was saying nigger. I'm saying he's not calling people niggers. Yeah, he wasn't saying nigger. But even in this video, but if you hear, if you listen back and think back to your just mental reaction when you was (laughs) hearing him say that shit, it was like, wait a minute, motherfucker. Like it, (laughs) it just is. It's something else. Something different. And Joe Rogan ain't no dummy. He no dummy. And 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 I'm not gonna say like he he. And I don't. I'm, I kind of. I had to run to the restroom real quick. He know the history of that word. He know what's up with that shit. And that's why he. You know. And to me, maybe it was a heartfelt apology. It just felt like he got called to the carpet and gave a bullshit apology to me. Why? Well, I think he was having a discussion of the word in a lot of those things, like yeah. the the power of the word and the history yeah. of the word. Um, but and instead you, of saying you, you N word, he yeah. said the word. Yeah, but, yeah. but he's also on record as saying that I'm going to be this so-called quote unquote woke comedian, woke person. That now that he's turned against to say that I'm going to not, I shouldn't say woke against the whole work, the woke thing, whatever. And I'm going to give power. I'm going to take the power away from that word purposely by saying it. Oh. You know what I'm saying? So it's like that didn't work. Yeah, it's like easy, it's like easy, my guy. Like, but like you said, it's like in the same time when we say, "Why not just say it?" We know what you're saying when you say "n word," and to me, it's like just. just well, that's what I yeah. Yeah, no, 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 no. I get, I get, and I get it. Like sometimes, I guess for me, when niggas say "n word," when black folks say "n word," I go like, "Nigga, just say nigga, man." But but then, yeah, and I get it. it, it it's it's. It's complicated, you know what I'm saying? Like I, I get it, but but like, but no, like I remember, I remember hearing about Kendrick Lamar, right? Doing yeah. the con- and y'all probably heard about this shit when it happened, uh, when he was uh, performing somewhere, and he invited yep. a white chick up to mm-hmm. yep. uh, rap, you know, whatever his song was, yep, and she said nigga, you know, because Kendrick Lamar says nigga in his music. You know what I'm saying? And that was the issue. Like, he didn't go off on her or nothing, but he was like, hold up, hold up, you know. And I don't do a whole bunch of social media shit, but I couldn't avoid that, you know, it was a, yeah, it was a big deal for me. I remember. Yeah. But, you know, it's, it's, but it, it's like, well, shit, man. I mean, what do you, you know, I mean, that is what you said in your rap and you invited the chick up. Right. And she should have known better, you know what I'm saying? But you know, I don't know, I don't know her, and I don't know right. whatever. I know how you know you can get caught up in that moment, would, and the motherfucker yeah. invited you, so you might feel like I would say not. Yeah, that's your. I've been there and done past. that. I've been there and done that. The uh, the first little you know hip hop project I did with uh, Jay Jones. Um, you know, what I'm saying we were in college, and obviously said it quite a bit. And you know, shit, I still say it in some of the songs now, but. I have a, a white nephew, and I gave him a copy of the CD, you know what I'm saying? And he loved it and was had memorized the songs and everything. Was And so one day he was he was spitting rhymes to me, and he said just went ahead and said the N-word. And I was like, oh, wow. Oh, that's, what, yeah. that's what we're doing. That's what we're doing. Yeah. <laughs> that's what we're doing. <laughs> uh, hey, nephew, I, I don't know, man. So I just... <laughs> but but I, 
that's 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 kind of disheartening. I don't know. That's still a teachable moment, but I don't think it's the same as, as I don't think as far as your nephew, but definitely not the young woman on stage being called in the moment. It's the same as Joe Rogan saying saying nigger while discussing the word nigger and not and not in some 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 emotional filled moment when I'm up I'm on stage with probably my favorite rapper mm-hmm. and spitting his bars. I don't think it's the same. No, yeah, no, I'm not. I'm not saying that. Uh, well, I was just saying how oh, it's just okay. a fucking. It's okay. a. It's a quagmire, right? You know yeah, what I'm saying it's right. just My a bad. complicated thing. Like me personally, I don't know if y'all pay attention or notice, but I really don't use the word no more. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm, I'm with you on that. Like to me, to me, that's nails on a chalkboard. Am I gonna sit back and be like, hey, don't don't say that? I mean, no, I'm not gonna tell someone not to. Well, I'm not gonna tell an African American not to say that word, but I'm not. You know. I'm like, I've, I've had my, shit, my, my fair share of running just like I run into a Caucasian and says that. Like, hey, like, watch your mouth. What the fuck's wrong with you? Yeah, but, but the point is, it's like, to me, I, I don't say it. I was taught from a very young age. My mother told me, we don't use that word. That's a dirty ass word. We're not going to use it. Guess what? And so I, I, I just don't. Guess what? You know what I'm saying? None so, of you niggas can call my mama mama. Yeah. Say that again. None of you niggas can call my mama mama. Okay. I'm, I'm just saying. I'm cool with that. I, I'm just, yeah, I'm it's cool, cool with that. that, but it's like, but it's like, to me, I'm like Paul Mooney. I say nigga every day because it make my teeth white. Yeah. He, he backed off the joke though. He did, but still, I like it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I mean, and see, so like, I don't. I, I make a conscious effort to, you know, I, uh, and I'm not saying that I never say it because it, I say it in my head like way more often than I speak it out loud. Cause I've said it for so many, you know, I say nigga, I've said nigga for forever. You know what I mean? Um, but you know, it's just, I don't know, man. It's, it's, I don't have to, you know what I'm saying? I have a large enough vocabulary and shit that, um, I can, I can figure out something else. And sometimes I, I want to just throw in some slick shit and, and say, you know, King or, you know what I'm saying? Some shit like that. That's, you know, that make a motherfucker feel good, you know what I'm saying? Not saying that nigga don't make niggas feel good, you know what I'm saying? Makes me feel good. But I don't know, man. It's it's just such a it's such a weird thing that it is, know. and it's funny. To, it's funny just because thinking about it, you know, the most we even say it is when I'm talking to you niggas. <laughs> just to be honest, <laughs> yeah, but I mean, but right. you know, throughout the just the, but throughout the you know just throughout the casual time, no, it's not a. It's not a it's not a word that just slips out or comes out or just naturally flows out. I mean, yeah. you know, we all comfortable here. This is our family. We home, so you know it. It slips out, and I noticed that shit. I've heard you say it the most tonight than I've ever heard you say it at all. So, yeah. you know, right. man, like, um, yeah, it, it's just one of those things. Like, it's not something that we normally typically are just out just saying it and saying it every day. But you know, in well, the I've comfortableness and security of this, we do, you know, let it fly. But that's it. More on an industry that has made millions, probably billions of dollars on that word for years. And, and, and yeah, billions. Billions of dollars on that word for years. Um, and, and made it such a mainstream thing that people all over the country or the world feel comfortable saying that word. Like, at some point, you got to be like, you didn't sold the fucking culture. Right. Well, they been did that, bro. They, yeah, the exploitation, the exploitation of African American culture has been in places we got off even, the ship, my Even guy. without saying, without saying, nigga. So, yeah, you know, I, they I, stole everything that we've done. So the fact that we turn the word around, use it as a term of 
experiment. Oh, they figured out, you know, they figured out a way to market that to everybody else too. I mean, so it's, it's everything we do. They're gonna they're gonna find a way oh, to reinvent or remarket what we've already done. That's that's a proven track record. Yeah, I mean, uh, that's a hundred percent true, man. But I mean, it, it, at some point, someone's gonna sell it, man. That's just the way. That's just the way it goes. Someone's gonna sell it, and someone's gonna make a profit I mean, off of it, man. Well, one thing that I don't understand, that I don't get, is. Uh, white people's obsession, and maybe it's because, no, it ain't because of that, but uh, I don't understand white people's obsession with wanting to, like, like so you telling them like, not to do something. Don't none of y'all know it's called my mama mama. And we right. was like, okay, cool. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, but that's what I'm saying. Cause no problem. Because you, we're, you ain't my mama, so no problem. You we're saying, so yeah. let's, Wait, just, let's just do that. Like, why don't y'all just fucking do that? Because you know you, what I mean? Like, Cause you, that is three, bro. You telling the Like it's just like a kid. Like anything yeah. you do, yeah. like anything you tell them not to do it a certain way, they yeah. don't do it. And because right. they feel like they can't do it or it's forbidden, there's a rush that they get when they do it, and especially when they do it in front of you. Yeah, but could well, it, that goes to the whole thing, right? Telling my girlfriend. You know, that goes that goes back to the whole monolith thing, right? Like. You know, black folks didn't get together in a meeting and say, hey, look, look, this is what we're going to do. Uh, no white people are going to say, no, no white people are going to say, nigga, none of them. And, you know, it's degrees of this shit, right? Because if black people out there, like, oh, I don't care if you say it. Like, go ahead and say it. Hey, you know, they are. Hey, 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 hey. Do we had a clip uh, of the meeting up in Applebee's? Uh, oh yeah. <laughs> I can find yeah, yeah. That that that's that's what really should be going on when you say the N word in front of black folks. I I got one more thing to say while you looking that up. Uh, fuck Joe Rogan, Joe Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Joe Jeff for president. For president. For president. The only Joe that I am a fan of is Joe Jeff. <laughs> right up. There you go. Hey, I appreciate uh, you'll be on, you'll be able to buy those t-shirts uh, coming soon. Yes, those those t-shirts will be out soon. But fuck a, fuck a Joe Manchin, fuck a Joe Biden. But couldn't it? But couldn't it be? We were talking about. I'm still trying to find this clip too. But couldn't it be deeper than it's a society, especially American society, is a culture that's been able to call black people whatever they want to call them, whatever, whatever they want to call uh-huh. them. But now, oh, I can't call you this one word. I can call you boy. I can call you girl. No, the fuck you can't. No, the yeah. fuck you can't. Oh. You, I mean, you, you, you can do that easier than calling somebody a nigger. Uh, I, mean, I, I think that bullshit. I don't know no, 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 no. I'm saying from a legality purpose of it all. You, you, you're probably more likely to get away with saying boy yeah. than saying nigger. Yeah, you're right. And then uh, proving racism. Yeah. That's all I'm saying. That's it. I agree. No, I'm saying no, 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 no. Now, as a... As a big ass nigga, you call me a boy. I'm be like, yeah, <laughs> it's not about it's not about to go the way you thought it was about to go. Yeah, it's, it's about to hold on. Ooh, oh, damn it! And it's nineteen forty five, motherfucker. Come on. Right, nigga, talking about to get the ultimate side out, nigga. I'm staring through your soul. <laughs> Why you snatch it? <laughs> so we put all these Joe Jeff jokes in here, and I can't even find. There we go. Boom. Here it is. Let's go. Let's go outside. Let's go. Let's go outside. So, 
this is a video. First, first of all, uh, shout out to Applebee's. Uh, uh, dollar, they got the dollar Long Island iced teas and dollar, the dollar uh, vodka lemonades. Oh yeah! Don't have too many of them. They will give you diabetes. It's, it's just sugar. It's just sugar and vodka. That's all it is. But uh, <laughs> but uh, basically what it is. Yeah, as Joe pointed out, this is very appropriate for our discussion. This is what should happen if you well should happen, but you probably shouldn't do it because the police will come and shoot you in the face. Just, just open hand slaps. Right. Just open. It was was bad, bro. Huh? Yeah, but slaps was like. (laughs) No, 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 no. I'm happy. I'm saying though, but that's like I think that's more disrespectful than punching a motherfucker in the face. Just slapping them. Between a closed fist and an open fucking palm. They sound you can hear this slap slap slap. I I think they was hold on, we can we can wind it. Hold on, he smacked this nigga with open hands until he fell to the floor. He fell to the ground. I'm trying. I don't think he was open hands. Hold on, I'm gonna, I'm gonna hit the re- refresh button here. All right, let's go. Make it. And then slap, slap, another slap, another slap. Wait, all, all I'm seeing is oh, no, oh, it's too small for me. So. Oh, my bad. I, I can't try to make it big here. But... I don't know. We we we, we can debate about the, the 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 slaps versus the the cold fist contact, but, but we we can is. all agree upon just to serve this day. Oh yeah. Hey, <laughs> hey, 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 and, and I just also want to point out that uh we we took time on a sister podcast. We want to do that on on the brothers breaking bread to announce that there's a new holiday. That oh, oh, we didn't oh, know. My oh, bad. Oh, yes. My bad. This is appropriate too with this video. It all it's all appropriate. It's all coming Very much together. So. The fifth. The fifth. The fifth. The fifth. One two F I F F I F fifth. The fifth, the fifth of, of February. February for 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 the Fab Five's number five. Five. Jawan Howard for the five finger salute. <laughs> <laughs> he gave to a badger. He the first white man. I'm sorry, first first black man to slap a white man on the job and keep his job. Give it all on the clock. Hey, yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Hey, like nigga, that. you gotta have. Now that we got Juwan Howard Day, we gotta have a Juwan Howard Award, nigga. Well, let me let me introduce you to the let me introduce you to the first nomination. No, 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 he ain't done. You know you slapping a nigga 
when your fucking hat fly off. That's when you know you putting in that work. His hat his flew off his head at some point. His arms are straight up in the air like he's frozen. I'm, like, talking, I'm talking about the man that was doing the slapping. He was slapping oh, him man. so much and so hard, his hat flew off. <laughs> Old buddy looked like his, his soul just went into the quantum realm. Okay. Well, yeah. Uh, I like that. Happy, 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 Howard day. <laughs> happy Juwan Howard Day. Happy Juwan Howard Day. Happy Juwan Howard Day. Hey man, on the fifth, you got you got to give a nigga a fat five. <laughs> now to our listeners out there, to our listeners out there, you gotta please. Give a nigga a fat, nah, you gotta give a honky a fat five. How about that? <laughs> Uh, to our to our listeners out there, uh, please don't go out slapping white men across the face on February fifth. Don't don't do hey, that. Hey, as on July fourth, they shoot fireworks. Yeah, don't. I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't do it. Especially if you're this in Florida. Network, this network does not endorse the views of one Joe Jeff. Yeah. <laughs> especially if you're in Florida. All the cops gonna do is come and arrest you, then come and go fuck your daughter. So don't do it. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Uh, hey, hey. Uh, who now? You know, actually, who is Kenny Stokes? Yeah, who is? Put all these. A Mississippi uh, state politician, bro. He got That's a great. Hey. He got a greatest hit. State politician. What's here? What's here? What's here? Let's play his greatest hits. Yeah. Because we're going to ask the question, who killed the man? Now, you know, we feel a lot better with that. Our pops. And then you have a whole... Hold on, dog. Let me rewind this. Who is, who is this, Wait a who is this Rastafarian uh, Vietnam vet next to Kenny? <laughs> What's happening here? <laughs> Oh, okay. You know how Trump pays people. That's who Kenny pays. That's who he pay. Uh, Jamaicans for Kenny. Okay. Now you know we feel a lot better with our pops. And then you have a hog head lying bastard like Duke who trying to make like it's a city of Jackson against all law enforcement. What is your response to him calling you a hog head lying? Wow, he do like a hog head lying bastard. Hog head lying. I agree. Good job. Good job, Kenny. Bastard. I have no comment, Ross. What do I think should be done? Bricks, rocks, and bottles would stop this nonsense. I want you to go talk to this gentleman here. Ask him how he fresh his toy. They house smell like boo-boo. <laughs> no boo-boo. Allegations that the mayor is doing drugs. I have never done any drugs in my life, uh, and that is foolish. You need to leave that dope alone. You haven't, you said, you he need to leave that dope alone. He's lying, Lamuma. What? I'm telling the truth in this stuff. Lying, Lamuma. What is that? Oh, <laughs> Zamunda. Oh, we gonna get into that. Uh, hold on, hold on. Tell oh. any stumps, nigga. You know what? Uh, this is breaking news before we get into this Kanye West video. Uh, good times and Broadway star Johnny Brown dies at age 84. Oh, oh no. Thank you, uh, Lady Lavender, for uh, putting that up. Johnny Brown. Yeah. Buffalo Butt. Bookman. Yeah. Mr. Bookman. Yep. Hey, RIP. Yeah, rest in peace. 
Um, yeah, so we'll, we'll, let's play this video, talk about it, and we get out of here. Uh, this is uh, the game. Game it's the game. Everybody called it the Kanye video. It's the game's video featuring featuring Kanye West. Beats. Kanye might did the beat. I don't know, but uh, beats fire. Mm-hmm. Called Easy, and it's it's on the heels of his divorce with uh, Kim, Kardashian Kim Kardashian and, and uh, her new romance with Pete Davidson. And he he wrote a verse that was basically very controversial towards him. So now the videos come out today. And it's a it's a claymation joint. Mm. Took I'm pretty wild. My life was never There it is. There it was. Don't interrupt. Just because it's no love. Show the shrug. Bring nothing to the table when I'm the table. I'ma turn up the music, wake up the neighbors. I'ma get that thug life tatted across the navel. It's how I am in real life, not just okay. Mr. Narcissist, tell me about my arrogance. No more counseling, I don't negotiate with therapists. God, yeah, wanna let God in. But tonight, I guess I let my pride win. Cousin Dre, send me scriptures, help me see life better. Nigga, we having the best divorce ever. If we go to court, we'll go to court together. Matter of fact, pick up your sis, we'll go to court together. I watch four kids for like five hours a day. I wear these easy boots everywhere, even in the shower today. I got love for the nannies, but real family is better. The cameras watch the kids, I stop taking the credit. Not custodial dad, I bought the house next door. What you think the point of really being rich for? When you give them everything, they only want more. Bougie and a ruler, y'all need to do some chores. Rich ass kids, this ain't your mama house. Climb on your brother's shoulders, get that top rhyming out. God sent me from that crash, just so I could beat Pete Davidson's ass. Who? And my new bitch bad. I know Illuminati mad. This that Illuminati bitch. This that Tupugati rich. This that God did this. Only God did this. There it is. There was, don't interrupt, just because, ain't no love, shoulder shrug, won't he do it, yes he does, won't he do it, yes he does, won't he do it, my life was never easy. Hey, those bars are trash, they're fucking trash. You don't like it? I don't say the bars are trash, not at all. The bars are trash? I, no, I'm saying I'm not gonna say that the bars are trash. I'm not no, saying the that. Bars wasn't trash. I mean, the bars. I, I, it's 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 catchy. It's disturbing as fuck. It is. It is. Yeah. I, I didn't see the video, but yeah, that's the first time I heard the verse. Uh, I've seen worse. Verse. I've seen worse. Uh huh. Yeah. yeah. This is not like good Kanye. I mean, are we are we just gonna give this motherfucker a pass? That's trash. That's not what we. That's not. That's not. What, that's you missing the point. We're not talking about if it's good Kanye or bad Kanye. We're talking about disturbed Kanye. Yeah, this is. Oh, that's, this is that's, 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 that's bad Kanye. That's trash. I don't think it's trash. I had a question. I had a question. I don't know if we have uh, any any legal minds on the on the on the. On the but that, that ain't just a regular diss song, nigga. Like, you think that's harassment or something? I no, feel like I mean, I, did y'all catch the claymation? Like, I, like yeah, yeah I'm watching. I, I, don't, I don't know y'all. Y'all talk about if it's good bars or bad. Did y'all catch what was going on in the? Yeah, I, 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 I called that's, it. 
What was going on? I didn't see, I couldn't see it. What was so it? what's going on is he has he has kidnapped uh, a claymation character that resembles uh what's his boy's Pete name? Davidson. Pete Pete, Pete Davidson. Davidson. Um, he has buried uh, Pete Davidson somewhere out in the desert somewhere. I'm guessing somewhere. Yeah, and then also I don't know if y'all like the first thing I thought of when he was planting all those roses. Uh-huh. Is uh I don't know if y'all remember back in the day where he had all them roses all over the house when him and uh, Kim Kardashian got together and right. shit. And they had a nigga playing uh-huh. some violin for her birthday or some shit. Yeah, I like. There's a lot of there's a lot of symbolism here in this uh in this mm-hmm. video. <laughs> in well, well, and, and he comes out and says the Illuminati man. Like what? What the fuck does that? Mean? Well, they always accuse him and Jay Z and everybody being part of Illuminati. I mean, I know, but I'm just like, damn. I mean, I guess he's he's, he's going off the script here. I don't know. I don't think. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I yeah. I just I, 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 feel, I feel like I'm. I be feeling like I'm missing the point. I, I, I missed the, the point. Well, the thing I'm the thing I'm on, Joe. Hold on. The thing I'm on is like, nigga, this is like a direct video visual threat. Like this ain't. Nigga, like, this this what I'm on. Yeah. yeah. This ain't yeah. like that's what that's this what ain't I'm, like yeah. Ice Cube telling these niggas on no Vaseline or whatever. You know, calling right. these niggas out for this and that. This is. Nigga, I will put you in the ground and cut your fucking head off and burn you alive on right, video. Right. That's what. I, that that's. So what you I, saying you saying it ain't just art. No, I think it is. I think it is. This week, right. this week they got divorced, and they dropped like they got divorced on Wednesday. He dropped the shit on Friday. Right. Yeah, yeah. I, and then, and then, and then, um, he didn't already said he didn't bought the house right next door. Right, I, I heard about that. Yeah, he's already, hey, so I remember, right. you know, we talked about like you know we joke Rod about you know the Kardashian women struck again. You know, you talk about Lamar Odom, or whatever that motherfucker. Yeah, but he. Talking about Kanye. I, I, I know we're like, no, no, they, they had problems to begin with, and they, I mean, yeah. Yeah, I don't. I, I, I agree with you. They had all problems to begin with, but. Is I don't. I might. I might. I'm, I might be the one that I don't know. I don't. I, I guess niggas somewhere think that Kardashian women got some voodoo. I don't adhere to that narrative. Uh, right. We act like Lamar Odom didn't have a drug problem before he got with right. uh, Kobe Kardashian. Exactly. Uh, hey, Joe, Joe Rogan did a pretty good routine on that though. Yeah, on what on them? Uh, yeah, Joe Rogan did a pretty good routine on the on the Kardashian women. Oh yeah, I mean, it, yeah. I think it's it, it's very low hanging fruit. So I think it's, yeah, it makes but he did a very good job. Like, oh yeah, yeah. Ray J has not. Who say what? Ray J has not. Has Ray J come out with another hit since the sex tape? He has not. When did he ever have a hit, though? Yeah, that too. Yeah, well, he had that he had that one wish, one wish, one wish. He had that one song. You I mean, know what it was? His hit was he's Brandy's little brother. Yeah, that was his hit. So I mean, don't discredit the nigga. He got a lot of writing credits, man. He got writing credit. Yeah, but, but what's don't, don't discredit him that way. But as far as him vocally carrying a hit, yeah, nah. Okay, okay, but let's get back to this video. And so, like, I. I see it as art, disturbing, yeah, but I also think it's a thing of, um, I don't know, I like like this nigga had, I mean, you want to say he's been escalating, but at the same point in time, it just so happens he's escalating at a time when he has a a Netflix, a bunch of money, a Netflix show coming oh, out, oh, documentary, documentary yeah. coming out, yeah, of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. Out. he got these songs coming out, and I wouldn't be surprised there's another album dropping here pretty soon. This nigga oh, is, this nigga's always in. He promo. just dropped another album. Yeah, there you go. But hold on, hold on, hold on. But he he wild the fuck out on Valentine's Day. 
Mm-hmm. And nigga put the fucking the the meme out there where he put the fucking board up to say he hadn't uh, his account hadn't been hacked. Mm. Dropped a girlfriend, I think he mentioned in the song. Picked yeah. up a new girlfriend apparently that looks exactly like Kim. Yeah, yeah. It's all yeah. social media theatrics hey, to hey, me. Yo, though, yo, though, that's the thing. That's it the could thing. be theatrics, I mean, or it could be that this dude is about to do some serious it, shit to it, his it, ex-wife, his now ex-wife, I, and I, nobody's I, gonna believe it's about to happen, and it's I gonna be like both, very public. I it's get it both ways, but he 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 has a history of escalating that's whenever that's he has whenever he has something about to ho- something about to hit. That's he has a history of it. So when you're like, oh, did you not see this? Is like this is fucking Kanye West. This is who he is. No, 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 but yeah, I, you know, I, I also it's Kanye West, man. But it, it's it, yeah. it's scary because yeah, Kanye it is West scary. Is Don't get me wrong. That's he's what... now a, he's now a very very wealthy man. Yeah, you know what I mean. And and but, and there's no telling what he can. But do you uh, think get away with think, what he can? I know to what get he's away capable with. of. I know what Kanye West is capable of. But do we think that he will go through with it though? Do I think that a man who is he's used to having control? It. Will do whatever he can to to regain control. Yeah, that's why I said I said it with a like I get the escalation, but I also know he has a history the other way too. So it's like you still got to keep eyes, right. nigga. Kanye is big enough that he doesn't need to do any of this shit. People love him so much. I mean, right. I haven't listened to his music in a minute, but people love him so much that he could just drop an album. He could do it like Beyonce, like. He doesn't. What, what is this? Why? What is the purpose? It's stupid. Because he wants to stay relevant. The man wants to stay relevant. He's always been like this. Like you, you can never have enough money and that fucking power. If if that were the case, where people would be like content with the much as much money and power that they've had, we wouldn't be in the fucking situation that we are on but, this earth. But I, so, but I think that's but what I, she's saying though is that yeah. he doesn't need to do that to continue no. to gain money, wealth, and power. You know what I mean? Like that's another level. That's some disturbing. I, I, I'm not seeing. I didn't. I didn't see the visuals. I'm just hearing what. You, but, I just heard the ver- verse, and I'm hearing how y'all was describing the yeah, visuals. But I'm, I'm gonna check it out as soon as we yeah, get done. The with visuals, it. Gra- uh, man. I think the grip. Yeah, I'm gonna check it out as soon as we get done. But let's also images are disturbing. Let's also add to that, that if anybody on this podcast did the same man, shit. How many women? Go ahead. How go ahead, many ahead. women? How many women have been killed? Yes. Are maimed by their by their uh, husbands or ex boyfriend or, or what have you? Yeah, that Bruh, was that was, that was on this same type of level. I want to say every you know least. what I mean. And just because Kanye West is famous and rich and wealthy and powerful doesn't mean that he is not that type of motherfucker that would do some shit like that. Yeah, you still, know what I mean? Like, he's still human. Yeah, yeah. We don't know. We don't know. But also, you know, I, w- I mean. I will say that if anybody on this podcast did the same shit that he's doing, y'all niggas would be in jail, probably. Oh, yeah. Hey, Yeah, I was about to say, remember he did, he bought all those roses and parked it outside their house, nigga. 
Yeah. Oh shit! I just caught that. That's crazy. That's the first thing I. But remember, because remember, he did the all the rose things, and they were all happy together. And then right. recently, for Valentine's Day or whatever the fuck, he parked that. He yeah. he bought all them roses and parked that shit outside their house, nigga. Yeah, what happened to uh, I Need a Girl and I Need a Girl remix like Puff Daddy used to do? Now you're fucking writing and directing videos about killing the fucking new boyfriend and shit. What happened to that shit, man? Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on. Everyone lived happily ever after. Right. Happily is circle. Let it, yeah, happily circle. Let it ride. But also, it's not lost. No, 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 no. Let it ride. 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 Let this ride. Yeah. Play. Everyone lived happily ever after. Oh, 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 shit. Google took over. Hold on. He said, except for you know who. Except for you know who, and it, has, and it has Skeet, which has been his nickname for Pete Davidson, Skeet scribbled Pete. out. But but yeah. also, it's not lost to me. And um, uh, Lee Lavender and other people have also hinted on it, like a man in power with money and influence and all this stuff too. Mm-hmm. It's not lost on me how much niggas hate the Kardashians and and are he 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 and laughing this shit off. Because they're 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 letting their hate they're letting their hate of the Kardashians trump the fact that if this was happening to one of their family members, they would be hot. They would be beyond hot. It's all it's all easy segue to OJ and Nicole's situation. So 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 let me ask you guys: does does money does money supersede race and color? Oh, depending on how much you have. Because money allows a lot of people who aren't deserving to be in places they shouldn't be. True. Exactly. I.e. Donald so, Trump. You don't belong in. That's right. Yeah. True. I agree. I hundred percent agree. Um I'm, You know, and man, I mean, and he can also just, you know, like he doesn't even have to um uh, you know, like do anything physical and shit. But because of his money and wealth, man, he could like what you guys say. It said uh, everyone lived happily ever after, except, except. for you know who. Mm-hmm. Now he could just continue to do shit like this, you know what I'm saying, and do shit behind the scenes to just fuck this dude's life and career. You know what I mean? To just make his shit stressful and hectic, and you know what I'm saying, not allow him to get you know and fuck with him getting jobs and gigs and blah blah blah. You know what I mean? Like, but that's what I'm saying too, Zeb. Like, you got so many stands out there, like mm-hmm. for Kanye too, that mm-hmm. yeah. all he yeah, had to yeah, do was yeah, put yeah. the thought out there. Yeah, like, he was put that. the idea out there. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, you're right. You got stands out there that would do that shit for nothing. And yeah, you're and right. And like, you think about it, I mean, I don't know much about this dude besides some of the movies and SNL. Ain't really said or done shit. No. He ain't been out. No, there. He I mean, ain't been out there in public with the kid. Even if he was, it doesn't matter. But I'm saying he there ain't done was nothing. A, there was a Kanye joke on SNL yeah. a while back. Uh, I don't know. Was he involved in it? No, yeah. he told the joke. He was on. He, he told the joke. It's something, something to do with his mental health or bipolar being. I don't. Know, it was a mental health joke for the most part. I think. Yeah, and I think he was trying to identify with him, but I don't know if that was something. I don't know how far the whole Kim thing was down the road at the time of the joke. You know what I'm saying? I don't know. Yeah. yeah so it might have just been a joke 
that he told yeah. and then and then found himself in that circle later on. Right. And took, right. took advantage right. of a situation. Or it could have been, let me drive this wedge. <laughs> yeah. I mean I don't know. I don't know. I mean we got yeah. I mean and we ain't got it ain't gotta be like a hypothetical. We got the first the first lady of the brothers breaking bread. If there was a nigga running around doing this to her, we'd be like, hold the fuck up. What the fuck? A nigga making a video of yo whoever yeah. and getting his head cut off? We would be like, right. so once again, even though it's Kim Kardashian, mm-hmm. and for some odd reason, niggas really hate Kim Kardashian, uh, let's not be lost on us that uh, this nigga is out of bounds with this shit. Yeah, for sure. a long time, this is the same motherfucker that wore a MAGA hat that he, right. he endorsed Donald fucking Trump. I said this is on the same level because what he's doing now is disgusting. <laughs> Absolutely fucking disgusting. But back, but, but, but back then, him and Trump had that dragon energy, so that was different. <laughs> That's what he said. <laughs> I don't, I don't know. Kanye is a weird dude, man. He has been for a long time. He's, he's got a screen. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's Kanye to me, but this is like some... Yeah. I mean, man, it's it just... Is. Like you said, I can say it's disgusting. It is, but the kind of reach... It is, but the kind of reach you got, like you got to think about right. it. This motherfucker filled filled a, a eight thousand seat football stadium just to hear motherfuckers listen to him play his album. Right. Yeah, not a concert. Yeah. But that's, <laughs> just, that's to, just to play his album. But that's the ego. In the same fucking stadium, yeah. the nigga rented rooms in to live there until his to album was in. done. Yeah. But that's yeah. the ego that we're talking about, though, too. So when so when people say. Um, he wouldn't do anything because he got all this money and power. It's like I see. I mean, we, he might not. I mean, he might. Yeah. Yeah, you see it the other way because he got all this money and power. Yeah, he could sure. be like, why? Why? He looking at it. Why this bum ass dude I? with my with my my ex wife yeah. or soon to be ex wife? Yeah. Or are they? Is divorce finalized? I don't know. What yeah, it was finalized on Wednesday. There you go. Yes, something. sir. Yeah. So, but with my ex wife, you know what I'm saying? Why she with this bum ass dude when I'm a nigga that, that, that like, niggas come and listen to my, not even the concert, like you pointed out, just coming to a stadium to listen to me play an album. It's a dangerous they, thing, man. That's, that's, yeah, that's <laughs> a lot of influence, bro. bro. More mm-hmm. than, you can't just overlook that type of influence, man. You know what? Right about that. Yeah. And I'm, I'm mad because, I like the song, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, that shit was fucking garbage. I am sorry. Yeah, okay. You go, you gonna be the you gonna be the yeah. Mm. That that I don't know that song was garbage at all. It's, no, that, yeah, it's, it's one of my that's it's one of my favorite that. like beats, but like I can't listen to it because I'm like yeah, this nigga is tripping. Yeah. I'm gonna put him in the R. Kelly bin. Like this nigga tripping right now. <laughs> R. Kelly band. Yeah, you gotta put an R. Kelly band, dog. Like whenever R. I start humming an R. Kelly song, I'm like, oh, 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 that nigga raping girls. My bad. Hold on. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you gotta put him in R. Kelly band. Uh, the, the last little slide, that little, that little slide show said J.K. Man, he was just kidding. Yeah. Hey, Twitter world. I don't know. Can you say that for me, T? <laughs> I'm sure that uh, nigga was joking too. <laughs> <laughs> but no, man. Um, I, yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, I hope, I hope beyond hope that this is just more Kanye fuckery and publicity to get push sales for his album and, and, and videos. But yeah. even with that, even with that said, I mean, I, I just don't think this is acceptable. At all, no. yeah, and like AC, and like AC, AC was saying, man, you know, he got people out there that 
you know, I mean, it's a lot of crazy motherfuckers walking around, man. Yeah. Know? And a lot of them like Kanye's music, and you, you'll never know. It's, it's, it's highly irresponsible. Yeah, I like it that. Is. That's better. Highly 100%. irresponsible. Yeah. Yes. So, so let me ask you a question. Is this enough for you to be like, I am done listening to Kanye West? You sound like you're done anyway. Yeah. I am. He's, he's trash. Trash. I, uh, I've never, like, we had this conversation before. I've never been in, like, Kanye's great MC camp. I've never been in that, but I've always thought he's a great producer. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, I, that. I, I think mean, he's a musical genius, personally. Um, and, yeah, no, this ain't going to stop me. Because, I mean, a lot of motherfuckers say a whole lot of irresponsible shit that I still fuck with. So, like, you know in the I mean? song, in the song, all he said he's going to beat. Pete Davidson ass. He didn't. He didn't go as far as the video went in the hey, song. Yeah, no, the video was to like, and once again, I haven't seen the video yet. So y'all listen to Tupac. That nigga said, "My fofo make your kids uh, die slow or some shit." Yeah. 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 yeah, 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 yeah I listen to a lot of motherfuckers. Yeah, niggas been irresp- irresponsible shit, man. Back in so. the day, I love I love uh, the Grave Diggers. They had a song committed to suicide. Uh, I did too. Okay. Hey, it's some petty ass shit. This is because a woman decided to divorce, and you know that shit does not go over well. Yeah. No, I mean, I, it, but here's I, I, go ahead, go ahead, Joe. I was gonna say, I was gonna say I've seen a lot of wild shit in claymation. Yeah, like yeah. like as far as the shit I've seen in claymation, that's probably by far not the worst. It, oh, I, yeah. I think the context of it, yes, is very yeah, important. Is ugly as fuck. I think I think yeah. I think the the proximity he has to a woman, I think that's that's really reprehensible. Um, I, like I said, I'm still tripping off the. I just figured out. That the fucking roses on Pete Davidson's head that he was trimming was going into the the truck bed out. of the roses that he gave to Kim on Valentine's Day. Was that two and a half weeks ago? Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I mean, I just made that connection a few minutes ago. So like, that's it's fresh and it's it's fucking scary. I'm sure for Kim. And was that already thought out? Like, did he? Was, you know what I mean? Like that wasn't just he did that, and then he was like, "Oh, let me do this too." That I mean, how, how, how long? How long does it take to make claymation? That's like I don't know. No idea. Not that. No idea. Not that. Yeah, I it shouldn't take that long, especially long. if you got you got yeah. time and money and and people to pay to do it. You can, I'm sure. And resource wise, and, and it wasn't like MTV claymation yeah. back in the day. It wasn't a great claymation video either. So I'm sure it didn't take that long. It was it was a black and white claymation video. So I'm sure it didn't take that long to make. We know it took less than two and a half weeks, so. Right. Either <laughs> yeah. way, he, he he conceived that in his mind, because I'm sure nobody conceived that 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 video mm-hmm. idea for him. So if he conceived right. that in his mind, then you know that nigga's truly got some issues going on, bro. <laughs> like right. that, this is true. Who the shit? Yeah. Let me ask you a question. This is, this is off cuff. I'm just curious. They got in this uh, argument over some cat. He's from Brooklyn. Cool shit. He lives in uh, Colorado Springs now, but we're talking about, you know, some of the best rappers of all time. That's all we were talking about. And so I threw out J. Cole. I'm from North Carolina, so obviously I'm, mm-hmm. I'm a little biased. Right. J. Cole, in my opinion, is a top 10 rapper of all time. Am I, am, I, am I off base here? Is J. Cole not one of the best to do it? I don't I know. Think he, he, could be he, considered. Got, he got the bronze right now, don't he? Mm-hmm. Huh? He got the bronze for his generation. What? The bronze for his generation. Isn't that what he said? Y'all threw me the bronze. Yeah, he did. Yeah. I will. Uh, I will say his last album didn't help. No, I liked it. I, I, liked it. I, I thought it was okay. Too. I thought that shit was heat. I thought it was good. I thought it was okay. Yeah, I, I didn't listen to it a whole lot, but I and I think it was really. When good. I listened to it. I liked it. 
I think it was really been getting is these little uh he's been competitive on these little fucking um Yes he has features. Be, these features yes, he's been features doing like, been, uh, that's been keeping uh, around. Oh, he's been competitive me. like like the, the the shit the uh Heavens EP. Benny Butcher. Yeah. Heavens EP and and the, and the shit with Oh yeah. That shit was heat, yeah. man. All of it. I don't know, man. I but think it's your equation though, bro. Back to this whole generation, like who you gonna put in front of him right now? I don't have a problem with him being in the conversation. I don't know if I, I had to think about it. I don't know if I put him in my top 10, but I would have to think about it. He's a you know door knocker, bro. He's a door knocker. Yeah. <laughs> so it's not, I don't think, I don't think that that, that, that argument is just fucking ludicrous. No, at I'm all. not ludicrous at all. Okay. I had, to, I had the same discussion the other day. I had the same discussion the other day. Um, I don't know that I'm prepared. I, I, I didn't do any research to come prepared to put him in the you? top ten. Which he's, he's six albums in. Yeah. Oh, that's he's a nice, that's a nice uh, catalog. I, I say the third he's one. Got, he's got more albums than Notorious B.I.G. And I consider that motherfucker in the top five. Well, but he got shot. I don't, I don't, he did. Oh, I know. <laughs> <laughs> right. He probably would have had some more songs. Third album for me is a classic. Yeah. Third album to me is a classic. Yeah, if I say. What's the third one? Force Hill Drive? Force Hill Drive, yeah. I think yeah, it's a drive. What's the one yeah. after that one? It's good, too. Um, I think that's the one. That's, that's the, the one, one that had the, most. That's the, the neighbors. They were thinking I'm selling dope. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Right. That's that's one that's was tough. Yeah. I like that song. I don't remember much on the yesterday album, but I like that song. There's some other shit on there. I like really the one. I like. I, I don't know. I really enjoy KOD. I don't know. Maybe it's just me. I know that's what that's what, that's what we differ. That's like I, I think I thought this last one was okay, but I really fuck with KOD. That's yeah. what we differ. Hey, you right here. Me, you right there because I I didn't think he get enough. He got enough depth for that. KOD. I thought he got a lot of depth. I thought he. I thought he did. I thought he did. But 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 here's the thing though I'm not I'm not saying his last one was trash I'm just saying I like the the previous one better that, that's it but like just like apples and oranges it's all fruit. I, 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 but I that's think the thing though bro is that, that we all we all we all one at a time fellas one at a time one at a time one at a time we all like this album this album this album so that means that this motherfucker done put together a catalog he's gonna buy yeah oh he got a catalog work which most most don't most don't. Hey, J. Cole, like, like I said, I'm biased as fuck because we're both from Fayetteville. Well, well, hold on. You didn't get the... Hold on, hold on, Sam. You didn't get the counter-argument to you, that the person you were with. Who were they were saying, or one person they were saying is better than J. Cole? He's from fucking Brooklyn, so he was just naming off all uh, East Coast rappers. With so East Coast. He, he's technically an East Coast rapper. I mean, I'm about to say, J. Cole is East Coast. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. Ten, but he was just saying, like, I don't consider him up there, and obviously he was just naming all the Brooklyn rappers, and that's cool. I mean, Brooklyn shit. Brooklyn brothers, too. Bro. All right, let's do it. 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 We here. We fucking around. Uh, you said big. Mm-hmm. I'm still. I'm motherfuckers gonna throw Jay and Nas up there. Jay and Nas gotta go. Exactly. But they don't belong there. No, I'm, no, you said exactly. Exactly. I'm not exactly. saying that. Okay. All right. So, so then, I, I think the three is agreement. already automatically in there. Um, it's hard to deny people like Cube and Snoop. Scarface is in the top ten. He's yeah. in my top ten. Well, you talking about Houston Scarface? Yeah, it's Black Thought. The only Scarface I yeah, the only Scarface I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't Yeah, know no, 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 no. He, he's up there. Who you saying? Yeah. Can Black Thought get some credit, man? Can he be top ten, bro? Who? He's in my top ten. Who? He's in my top ten. Yeah. Who? Black Thought. 
Blacked out. Done data, Mr. Trotter. And like, I know I was we talking about that. What about Red Man, bro? What about Reggie? Hey, what about Roger? My bad. I mean, Red Man. (laughs) (laughs) Roger's in my bottom team. Hey. Uh, Three three stacks. Yeah. Three stacks gotta be in there. Gotta be in there. Hey, you guys about to start saying fabulous and all this shit. Fabulous? No. No, no, no we're not. Hey, well, hold on, hold on. Did you did you compare three stacks to fabulous? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I think we I named like a. Bu- but matter of fact, we even went to the West Coast for a minute because like I ain't gonna lie. Like I knew Cube was good, but I know I talked y'all about that. Take your personal podcast. They had a fucking like uh, West Coast like. Three-part edition, and one of them was just all Cube, nigga. I was like, God damn, this nigga used to be spitting. Cube was a monster. Cube was a monster. This nigga used to be spitting. Cube was a writer. Nigga, from 88 to 92, nigga, wasn't a nigga out there. Hey, I'm just saying, you get get (laughs) old and you forget because you see this nigga in Are We There Yet, and then you got to go back. You you got to go back and blow the the dust off the CD and go, ooh, ooh. 88 to 93, nigga, it was not a nigga pumping harder than Cube, bro. Uh, I agree. Yeah, you know what? I went I went back and uh they they re-released uh those first what like three or four, I think it's four Cube solo albums. They yeah. like remastered and, and re-released them back when CDs were still popping. Yes, sir. And because you know, I was pretty young, you know what I'm saying, when Cube, you know, 90 89 to 92 whatever uh, you know, 94 or whatever, you know what I mean? Like, yep. so I remember Q, you know what I'm saying? And I thought I always, Same. always like Q, I always like NWA, blah, blah, blah. But I went back and bought the motherfuckers like probably in the early 2000s. Bruh. And I was pumping them. Nigga. You know what I'm saying? That's just crazy. Nigga, that's like, nigga. crazy, man. Nigga, I got, I got a little section of Q on my phone right now. And I, it's probably about every three to four months I go into a Q session, you know what I'm saying? Favorite song is really dope. That's Look, dope. I, I'll make sure to say that, that today was a good day. It's probably one of the best tracks of all fucking time. I'm talking about. I, I played that for my daughter last week. Ooh, I would agree. Ooh, I'm telling you, it, it supersedes genres. It doesn't matter what the fuck genre you're talking about. I would agree. It's one of the best it's a tracks great song. of fucking all time. Yeah, yeah it's a great song. Of all song. time. Yeah. It, like, no, it just fits any mood. Like, you about to go, yeah. you about to go play ball? Great. Day. Yeah, yeah, it's good. You chilling with the, at the crib, about to play some Madden? Good song. Yeah. Nigga, you know what I'm saying? You in the shower about to get ready to go out? Good song. <laughs> that, being, that, that being said, I think I think J. I think I think J. Cole is 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 not there. He's a door knocker, man. I don't think he's there. Give it time, bro. He's so he's so But but yeah, cause I think that happens though, right? Cause we get we get caught up so much in the moment. Like 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 and Zed makes a good point. Like it's like a lot of there was a lot of music put out early nineties, like when we were younger, and like we like this is good music, but like conceptually being able to 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 embrace it all and go back and listen to it with with an older mindset and like you're like, God damn this shit is hard as fuck. You know what I'm saying? Where like I'm just a young, I'm just a, a fucking 17 year old fucking trying to pretend like I'm crip walking and shit. To now I'm a I'm a grown ass man and I'm breaking down the production, I'm breaking down the wordplay, I'm breaking down all the little subtle shit that I may have missed as a 17 year old. Like, like I, I think J Cole will stand the test of time when it all comes to be. But we got so. we got 10 yeah. rappers that we can name off top of our head. <clears throat> 
that came out in the 90s, came out in the early 2000s, that have stood the test of time, that you can put that shit on right now, it will still get the party going. You know what I'm saying? So I think, I think, I think that's what we're saying, especially when AC talk about a door knocker. It's someone like, yeah, in the moment he hot, but how's that shit going to hold up 20 years from now, like Ice Cube is held up 20 years from now. You know what I'm saying? No, you're right. You're right. But shit, 2024, we're still going to talk about Forest Hills Drive. You know, he, he is. He's I like think he has. I, I agree with you. One classic album. I do think he has one classic album, but I don't, I can't, I can't think of a classic song, though. That's a good point. That is a good, good point. Because I agree, agree. I mean, Neighbors, Neighbors is one of them. That's up there. But it, it is a, but, uh, but also it's okay to say I have a bias. Like you already pointed out. I'm a North Carolina boy. Yeah, for sure. It's, well, it's okay. all bi- I mean, we all have bias. Yeah, we all got uh, bias. It's okay. Your and, opinion. You know and, what I mean? Yeah. And cause yeah. and it's cause that's your top ten, that's fine. Fuck with it and say this he in my top ten. Y'all don't yeah. agree, that's cool. Y'all say he's hey, not gonna cool. so like, like, let me let me give you an example. It's crazy for it to be in the conversation, man. Let me give you an example. Let me give you an example. So, uh, Black History Month, we did like this little uh, production where we did a, a gallery walk, and so I had kids who were, um, you know, going through historical figures and making a PowerPoint slide. Our teacher printed them out. They put them up in the uh, library, and we did like this little thing where they walked through. You know what I'm saying? And so they had these. Uh, so that was one section. There was another section where they had like little, cute, the little codes where you put your phone up to it and and it, and it take you to uh, YouTube or whatever. You know what I'm saying? And so they they were doing like musicians, like hip hop artists, and they had Tupac and Biggie. And so Biggie, they had Juicy. Everybody know fucking Juicy. You know what I'm saying? Where, to the point where these kids, these kids who were fucking, the kids I had like 15, were nowhere near around yeah. when Juicy was popping. Knew all the fucking lyrics. Yeah. Right. Cole ain't got that. That song. shit transcend. Well, Cole ain't yeah. been around that long though. But Cole ain't got that song. But that's my but point though too. It's like you got. Juicy, hey, Juicy back in the day. We didn't know that that she was yeah, in the yeah, yeah, Hold on, hold on. Biggest thing ever, damn near back in the day, bro. True. Nigga. But hold on. When we say when we say like. You know, he ain't been in the game long enough. J. Cole been in the game since 2006, bro. It's 2022. Yeah. And Juicy was on the fucking first album from Biggie, man. Yeah, you're right. You're Damn. right. Nah, right. man. I, he ain't got that. He ain't got that. I mean, he, I, I, he, he can get there, but he just, he ain't there yet, in my opinion. I, look, I can agree with that, man. But look, Biggie was just one of the fucking pioneers. Let's just fucking call it what it is. He just was one of the pioneers. Of uh, this mainstream hip hop, man. So of course, man, he he's got his, his face on Mount Rushmore of hip hop. I mean, that's that's just that's just it. But I mean, Cole. I mean, look, look. I, I'm just saying, as far as his lyrics and his production, I mean, Cole to me is one of the most evenly balanced artists out there right now. Hey, Very solid artist out there right now. Top you, ten all time. You put, you missed the part. You, you, you gotta hey, say we, we ain't really go back into the '80s. We ain't pull out Rakim. Nope. Name <laughs> full out LL. Slick Rick. Public enemy. Slick. Oh, Slick Rick. Don't get me started on Slick Rick, nigga. Mm-hmm. 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 Slick is nice. Big Daddy Kane. None of that. Honey. Yeah. Um. Yeah, that's one. Yeah, that's one. That's what I'm saying. Oh. Yeah, we ain't talk about Chris. Yeah. Come on. I'm, I, he I'm no, I'm sorry. He's not there yet. He's not there. I don't, I don't know if he's ever going to get there. Oh. Uh, 
Uh, you all tucked yeah. in? Here we go. Here we go. Once upon a time, not long ago, when long people, ago, I'm like, come on, dog. Let's, hey, you start saying that. Hey, nigga, niggas, no, dog. Always turn that justice up. And people were behaving like that. But it was too good. Nigga, oh, shit. Nigga, come on, dog. Yeah, bro. They used to be my shit. Like I said, I love Cole, but he ain't got that shit yet where I just, mur- I just muttered too like two or three words around hip hop heads, and they just start fucking I, going. I, if, if nigga, if, if if we had time, I'd do the whole fucking song. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly, exactly. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Uh, he ain't Buster. <laughs> but to these, but to these, but to these younger, you know, that's our generation, though, man. You know, and so for Buster's still know, doing it, though, man. Motherfuckers, no, what I'm saying though, under J. Cole that came up listening to J. Cole and shit. Yeah, like, you know what I'm saying? He's gonna be in that. We're gonna have to do we're gonna have to do one of those things like the NBA. First it was the top fifty team, now it's the top seventy. Right. Just gotta expand right. the list. Top ten has this band, right. But hold on, hold on, hold on. But expanded is too far. It's yeah. a lot of music that you can stick in different categories, but ten is t- a tight, a tight box. A tight, yeah, yeah. yeah I, I never, right. But never, here's a here's a question: Does Kendrick have that song? I think so. Yeah, he does. I can't. I can't yeah, remember. Right, my vibe. If I go, my vibe. No, that's that too. That, that's if I go, pour up, headshot. That's too. Nah, uh, 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 off the third out. You talking about Bad City? No, you talking about off a damn. He's talking yeah, about right. Damn. That right. shit. Uh, it was uh, the one with Rihanna. Dan, no, Dan, had, was, uh, Dan was the fourth album, wasn't it? Yeah, Dan was the... That was the third album. That was the third album. Yeah, that's the third album. What was the fourth album To Pimp a Butterfly was the fourth album, right? That, to be, that was the second one. No, oh, that was the, no, that was the third bad. one. That was the third one. No, Dan that was, was the fourth one. one. That's oh, we're going to be all right. You're talking about we're going to be all right. We're going to be all right. That's it. That's it. That was on Dan. That was on Dan. That's the third album. Pimple Butterfly. No, that was on Pimple Butterfly. Yeah, that was on Pimple Butterfly. Oh, that's on Pimple Butterfly? Yes, sir. That's the second album. That's the third album, sir. That's the second album, bro. Hey, Google shit. Google, I ain't gonna argue with you. Google it. You know what? God damn it. The first is Good Kid, Bad City. Second album. That's the second album. What's the first album? First album. What they call it? The album, though. The what? Call it maybe some mixtape. I, I, the kids have told me. Oh no, yeah, he, 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 he had like three or four mixtapes. Mix. I don't know. He had, I know what the confusion is, though. I know what the confusion is. They he had two or three mainstream mixtapes. Untitled Unmastered was the first ever one he came out with. No, but what I'm saying, bro, is they treat Section 80. Section yeah, 80, like that's the one. Yeah, I feel you. I feel you. But Section 80 was out like two, three years before Mad City. It was just a mixtape. Because he. How about I say he got like two mixtapes that have now post been like pushed back and been like been considered mainstream and not considered mixtapes. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I get it. So, so I guess, I guess, I guess Kendrick, count. would you put? I guess the question: Would you put Kendrick ahead of J Cole in the? Yes. Yeah. You would. Yeah. yeah. You have to. Yeah. You have to. I don't yeah. know. I, I'm not. I, I can't say that. I can't say that. But it, I don't I, know. I, it, I don't it's I'm a very tight race, though. All the criteria, if we basing it on all the criteria that we just spoke of, you got to. Yeah. And, and all I'm saying I is... I don't necessarily consider having a bigger hit as being, you know, like... Don't act like he ain't got bars either, though. No, of course not. I'm not saying that. I'm saying what I'm saying is what I said, is yeah. that I don't consider necessarily having a bigger hit as being as as, as a as a end-all, be-all 
to him being the, you know, uh, on a higher on a higher rank. No, I, I agree you know, you. me personally, I I think I fuck with Jay. I think Jay Cole's a better rapper. I agree. And I think Kendrick is yeah. a great rapper. You I agree with mean? you. But we're, what I'm saying is, what I'm saying is, based on the criteria we just categorized all these other rappers in, you have to because he has one of those that J. Cole doesn't have. I like, Jay, I like J. Cole better. I like J. Cole better. I think Kendrick okay. is ahead of him. That's all. I agree. I yeah. think this is the beauty of music, okay. though. This is the beauty of music. Like we all, we all, we all got our individual ears, and we all, and and, and I think we we are really debating like, like just minor points. Because like when I, cause I think when people say, like you hear that just blunt, yes, it's like. But to me, you got the the the, the back of it is, but it's it's a very tight race as far as J Cole and Kendrick. For sure, it's a very tight race, and and like. And, and if, if somebody wants to have J. Cole in their top 10, I'm like, okay, because like, if, if, if right. we don't sit here and say that J. Cole's a door knocker, that means that nigga might be 11 or 12 to us. If we're going off criteria, let's be 100% honest. Fucking Drake is top 10. If we're going off that fucking criteria. I mean, I think that's, I think that's this definitely. This is very much true. That's, that's definitely a case. Yeah. Now, none of us on this format agree with it, but that's an argument that can be made easily. I have no problem. Yeah, some, yeah. somebody got him in the top three. Yeah, top Mix, one for sure. Mixtape, and I and I and I really yeah. don't argue against it. Mixtape Drake was one of my favorite. Was one of I my don't favorite agree Drakes. With it, but I don't really argue against it. Yeah, right. mixtape right. Drake was one of my favorite Drakes. I mean, that yeah, I don't know. It, my, yeah. Mine too. Yeah. Exactly. Mine yeah. too. Yeah. He was, I mean, he was spazzing on them. Yeah, and, and like we said, if somebody said it, I'm like, okay, he sp- he speaks to you. He don't speak to me on a top ten level, but I ain't pushing. I ain't pushing fast forward when a nigga song come on. So okay. If no way top ten. You you put him on a fucking feature, your fucking track is gonna be a fucking top. Top twenty hit. That's just the way it goes. Is Wayne top ten? Oof. Yeah. Pre. I'm gonna say. Yeah. I say. Pre Codeine Wayne. Yes. yes. Wayne gotta be top ten. <laughs> I say yes. You said pre Codeine. I said. I mean, I, I get he was doing. I, I get he was doing drugs for a long time, but before he got deep into the sauce, yes. That that I that and, and even now though, uh, he still every once in a while. Wayne still spazzing. Yeah, he still every once in a while come out because like, uh, what's the the joint that him and uh, Drake got? Little, the uh, uh, the, uh, the, the BB the King never, freestyle, never, whatever the fuck. I'm never gonna argue against it, but I'm I'm not in that in that vein. What's up? No, nah, I mean, I'm just not in that vein of him being, you know, in top ten. In the top ten. No, he's not in my top ten. But I'm saying, if somebody not, had him there, I would. I, I'd be like, okay. Put him there. I'm not gonna argue against it, but just for me, no. Nah, I mean, he's yeah. still a door knocker, possibly too. But he's not a top ten. Just that's my opinion. Like, I don't, yeah, yeah, yeah. If, 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 if door knocker, if he ain't made it in, nigga, that door passed for him. But here's the thing, though, is though, like, that's fine. as you pointed, as we pointed out, the cri- I mean, the, the criteria that y'all set forth, that nigga got several songs. If you started humming, yeah. the fucking, the fucking, yeah. just humming it, somebody would a say something. A milli, a milli, a milli, a milli, a milli. That's not even one of his best songs. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's not even close. Call me so I can make it juicy close. for you. Call me, like nigga. I mean, yeah. the nigga got he huge. got more than he got more than one huge. song. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Fuck yeah, a song. That nigga got that nigga got more than one song. If you just hum the hum a bar, motherfuckers gonna start yeah. rapping the rest of it. That's yeah. not he he got got no means crazy. my favorite. He got some of the craziest lyrics. He got so he he said some of the craziest fucking shit. The nigga got he got like like to me when he is. Coherent and 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 on his A game, he 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 one of the best right now. 
You know, so yeah, me, I think one. Oh, he ushered in. He, he ushered in one of the the the, the more uh, known subgenres of rap, like mumble rap. It, that shit, all the the face tattoos. I mean, being on lean and fucking like mumbling your shit. That that all came from fucking Wayne. All yeah, of you this. know what, bro? And and Lil Wayne to me, I'm a I'm a I I kind of equate. And this shit might sound crazy at first, but I I I kind of equate Lil Wayne to Nas, man. Or to rock him, you know what I'm saying? Like they they yeah. literally changed the motherfucking game. They did. Man. They did. They did. It changed the motherfucking game. Are y'all game. calling Wayne a mumble rapper? I won't. Well, no, 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 no. But he ushered that shit in, though. He ushered that. No, shit. no he might. He, he ushered. Oh, I think he ushered. I think he helped yeah, aid the way as far as auto tune. As much as I dislike Wayne, I can't call him. A yeah, he may. I think he. I think he may have helped with the auto tune and rapping, but well, I ain't gonna say. I ain't gonna say the mumble rapping. Nah, I can't agree with that. Oh, you're right. Okay, maybe I, maybe I was out of bounds saying that. But he definitely ushered in the game, dog. Like, he changed yeah, the game. Like, Iverson changed the game. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Just as far yeah. as appearance, as yeah. far as, exactly. like, what was accepted. I mean, yeah. even even just the drug talk, dog. Yeah. Like, you're right. Talking about whatever. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. Cash was talking about weed and shit, but they wasn't really talking about other shit like that, too. Yeah. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, you know, so, like, he, he, li- he literally changed the game. You know, like it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be all these kids. I mean, look at the names, dog. Everybody's fucking little something. Yeah, it's been going on for a decade. I like that. It's been going on for a decade, dog. That's you know what I'm saying? Kevin still called himself little something. I swear to God. You know, on my part, but that's exactly what I'm trying to say. Was he changed the game? Am I? I say that because mostly mumble rappers are, uh, you know, uh, pretty much, you know, considered the the face tat and the the mumbling shit. Kevin Little Wayne was, but he kind of ushered in that whole look, that yeah, whole but, vibe. That, that but, whole right, yeah. But, but hold he's on. a real rapper. Yeah. He's a real right. rapper. They were trying to they were trying to imitate Lil Wayne without really yes. rapping. But yeah. hold on, you but, know but what I mean? a lot of this shit ain't for us though, too. We we old and washed. True that. And like and yeah. like I can't even keep up, dog. I can't yeah, even keep like, up with the, with the lyrics, dog. I can't the, even the same, comprehend the, all of them. Yeah, the same way we talking about Ice Cube, NWA, Easy, KRS one, all these pioneers. Some of our parents was like, oh, that shit is hogwash. Listen to jazz. Bullshit. Listen to this yeah. shit. That's bullshit. Right. Where the music? What niggas singing? Where the, where, 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 where's the dancing? You know what I'm saying? I can somebody that playing too. the drums and the guitar. Yeah, yeah. So what I'm saying. I can fuck with that too, uh, 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 Lil Richie. Frankie yeah. Lyman. I fuck with all that. Yeah, but but what I'm saying that. is, some of this shit just ain't for us. It's, it's, yeah, it's right. okay. Like my, like I got teenage right. boys, and they listen to all that bullshit. And I just yeah. be like, I listen. That way I can keep up. You know what I'm saying? Right. I could, I could yeah. stay, try to stay relevant with them to have something. You know, you have something to talk to your kids about. But I just right. go, it ain't for me. And then when I put on Black Thought, right. when I put on Black Thought, I'm like, oh, they going to love Black Thought. They're like, yeah. okay, this nigga, this nigga talking yeah, about right. what? Huh? <laughs> <laughs> I don't care about none of this shit. This nigga talking about black empowerment and uplifting. Right. <laughs> I, I, I put on uh, the purple tape for my guy that's in college right now. He's yeah. like, yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like, like the yeah, shit that we right, fuck with, they exactly. don't fuck with. They don't like every once in a while. And, 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 and that's they're disrespectful. Dog, yeah. To be uh, hey, the nigga. Purple tape, the purple like, tape, nigga. <laughs> but every every once in a while they'll fuck with something because of course you know ain't nothing new under the sun. So one of these mumble rappers, one of these SoundCloud niggas have t- have taken a beat from another rapper and I'll play something. They're like, oh yeah, that's little little Dick Sucky's beat, and he yeah. he loving it. He I'm like okay, I I, I, I guess I, I guess it's you know, he's one of the most underrated rappers of all time, and and helped usher in what we knew in the early 2000s. And that people emulate, especially Eminem. 
his whole vibe is uh, fucking Tretch from fucking Naughty by Nature. That motherfucker. Oh, Tretch had bars. The best. Oh, that motherfucker had bars for days. I mean, Tretch is nasty. He does get. He he is very underrated. Yeah. Very underrated. That's one of the ones I'm just like. I listen to some of uh, his old Naughty by Nature shit, and I'm like, how was this guy not more than than he was considered? In my opinion. I mean, even Eminem would admit, like, nah, I ain't fucking with Tretch. A lot of his sound came from that. And you know Eminem is who he is, right? He appropriated the music, whatever, but he did it well. You know what I mean? And and, and, and he's not even fucking with Tretch. He don't say shit about Tretch because he got a lot of the sound from Tretch. You know what I mean? And no one ever really talks about him, but that's one of the guys, in my opinion, is, like, one of the best lyricists. The flow was nice. You know what I'm saying? Like, the inflection was fucking perfect. Tretch was nice, man. Best lyricist? Yeah, Tretch bad, yeah. I mean, he was cool. I don't know about best lyricist. And Eminem is like a Tretch <laughs> Redman or some shit like that. I'm going to say Lost Boys. My, my nigga from the Lost Boys is better than Tretch. I don't know. <laughs> nah, <laughs> you tripping, bro. What you, come on, <laughs> Renee. <laughs> Renee. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you know, Mr. Tretch, Tretch. Cool. he was he was nice, but nah, Tretch is Tretch is actually yeah, he's really no no he's no, no like, just, yeah. uh, he's a good rapper. Like how Tech Nine is really dope, but he don't get that type of uh, you don't really think about him in that way. Basically, you don't really right. think about it's like playing his ba- lyrical content and, yeah. and and the skill that he that he really has. Yeah, in formulating hey, man, what I, he does. I was listening. I was listening um to Twista on on Drink Champs. Ooh, yeah. And 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 they hit uh you know they they do that shit where they try to trip niggas up and give them a really hard just you know decision and then you pick one or pick the other one and if you can't pick either you know, you piss somebody off by picking one or picking the other yeah. quick time was line and and then if you can't pick either you got drink they gave uh, Twister Eminem versus Tech Nine Ooh. Mm. He, he chose Tech didn't he. I think, he, I think I think he decided to drink on that one I think he did was he like drink on that did he drink I think on that okay. I think he did I don't remember but I like it he. he Pick take nine to uh, Eminem, bro. I was like, okay, yeah, so. yeah. He's either drunk on it or pick take nine. One of the two. He didn't pick Eminem. Nah, I feel it. Yeah. So yeah, that's just. I mean, what do you put what? Eminem though? I think a new report just came out. Uh, I think take nine once again was like in the top ten. Uh, yep. Money makers, you know, he just said he out here again, again. Yeah, he just doing this. He out here, he out here collecting checks and uh, putting up good numbers, doing a triple double in the small market. That's all he doing, bro. He got songs with the rock, so he's doing something right. Oh, that horrible song. Oh my god, we do know. Let me ask you though, and we've been talking about this. So if you talk about hip hop, you got to talk about the number one fucking selling. Artist out there is Eminem. Like, wait, you put him in the top ten, or you do not? Where, where you at with that? I know. Hey, I'm sorry, Sam. Your connection is breaking up. Man, I think. Uh, hey, man. Thanks for coming out for the show. I appreciate you. Never <laughs> miss a moment to break bread <laughs> with your yeah, brothers. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm a, yo, what's up, man? Hey, I'm, cool, look. I'm gonna say. I'm gonna say this. Like, like Eminem is like a a. I got I got shouted down. I didn't get shouted down, but people disagree. I still say Eminem is the Tim Duncan of hip hop. He is he is very sound. Uh, he has good fundamentals, but to he's not just going. He he doesn't wow the crowd, even though he's winning the fucking game for you. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. 
And he wows the crowd. I just don't think he wows the crowd. But with that being said, Tim Duncan is the great. Tim Duncan is considered the greatest power forward of all time. And if you ask a white, and if you ask a white kid who who are the biggest consumers of hip hop, who one of the greatest rappers of all time is, they'll tell you Eminem. They're gonna say Eminem. Yeah, yeah. And I agree. I agree with Joe. I think that Eminem does wild. I don't think. No, that. no, no. I'm saying like t- he does wild the crowd. But I'm saying to us like we having this, this debate. Eminem just came up because Sam mentioned Eminem. When we talk about hip hop right. greats, you know what I'm saying. When you, it's like the same thing. When you talk about like NBA greats, for some centers don't come up. We talk about the power forwards, the guards, the 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 the, the movers, the, the 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 guys that people come to see <laughs> dunk the ball and all that shit like that. That's all I'm saying. That's why I'm Hey, 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 hey. Roger told me that. Roger told us that Sam was coming on the show to talk about affirmative action today. Hey, we didn't know it was the other one. You did. Hey, well, my we nigga Mark. I thought it was about to do Supreme Court justice. I didn't know he came to talk about Eminem. Hey, hey, Joe. Nah, hey, 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 what, hey, Joe, what's that comment? What's that uh, quote from Marlo from The Wire? You want it one way? <laughs> but it's the other. But it's the other way. But it's the other way, <laughs> nigga. <laughs> Go to serious. Let's talk. Don't get it serious. Keep it music. Fuck that serious <laughs> shit. No, I know. I know. Hey, no, that was Joe. That was Joe. Joe, that was you. But I'm just saying, man. <laughs> but like, this is a good thing. Like, like, I don't know. That that might turn to a fucking like a uh, fucking eight hour podcast, and niggas all come with their top ten, and we discuss it. Like, God damn. Yeah, I don't yeah, know if I'm ready for that. But top three. <laughs> you you got you got to kind of put put him up there. Like, is he in my top ten? Probably not. Yeah, but once again, that, that's the beauty of music, though, right? It's like <laughs> if someone said it, you would go like, "I guess I get it." He's like one of the he said top selling hip hop artists of all time. But also, I defer to the fact that who are the biggest consumer? When I say consumers, buyers of hip hop music, white people, yeah, of white course, people. they're gonna buy fucking Eminem albums. That's why. That's one of the reasons I said, man, we need a bigger, expanded, different type of list because if we're gonna go on all the criteria we, you know, we've already mentioned previously, how can you say he's not? How can you argue against it? Is he my favorite? He my pick? No, Mm -hmm. but everybody got to vote. You know what I'm saying? So, you know what I'm saying? If the masses vote, then yeah, he's gonna be. And he he checks off the boxes. He checks off. Mm -hmm. Can't argue with that. Now I I argue. What class? what, What classic album he got? The it's fucking the first one. The Marshall Mathers LP. Yeah. yeah. The Marshall Mathers LP. Right, exactly. Yeah. I beg to differ. Uh, there'd be a lot of people who would I'm saying that's not I don't I don't necessarily, but I understand, you know, if a motherfucker and a whole lot of motherfuckers consider it a classic, bro. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like a whole lot of like I think I think that it was written as better than Illmatic, but I understand why motherfuckers consider Illmatic a classic. I think it was written as a better album. But but Illmatic, you know what I'm saying? You know, so, I mean, once again, like Roger's saying, that's the thing about music, bro. It's it's subjective, and you know what I mean? Like, a whole lot of motherfuckers consider that a classic, though, Joe. So, you know, through this whole conversation, we've not talked about a group of rappers that, in my opinion, have made more of a splash than anybody in the last 20-some years, and that's Southern rappers. Fucking Southern rappers have done 
I said, I said, talk about Lil Wayne and, and Face Mob and 3000. We said like three or four of them. Come on, man. Just keep it yeah, up. Bro, we ain't yeah, bro. Nah, we were talking mostly about broken rappers, though. That's but, but we didn't know. No, that's how you started off the conversation. We ain't even got really. We ain't even really talk about no Brooklyn rappers. We spent we spent the whole fucking conversation about J. Cole. Yeah. <laughs> so so but do you consider I mean okay, I guess North Carolina is the South. You're right. North Carolina is the South. It is the South. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah. It is. It is. It is. It is. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. It is the South. Right. We can talk about Petey Pablo. North Carolina. <laughs> <laughs> It's a dope song. It's a hype ass song. It is a hype ass song. It is. Niggas was taking their shirts off. <laughs> Niggas was. Niggas understood the assignment. Uh, one rapper I didn't hear, neither one of y'all mentioned, was uh, Busta Rhymes, man. No, Joe no, wasn't Busta Rhymes. You gotta talk about Buster? Yeah, Joe did. I mean, you asleep during that. I must have slept on that. I mean, it wasn't an in-depth conversation, but he was definitely mentioned as far as like you got to consider him when you're talking about well, great. Who said Scarface? Someone said Scarface. Yeah, someone said Scarface. Yeah, Face is submitted, bro. I don't even hear. I don't. I won't even listen to an argument, guys. We recycling rappers now. I think it's time. Yeah, exactly. it's time. You're right. Is that time? I got pissed anyways, bro. Yeah, yeah I, I didn't. I didn't pee hey, hey, time. We ain't, we ain't talking about J. Cole though. <laughs> oh. Nah. Right, I think it's time. Hey, did, is that we, time? Uh, did we talk about J. Cole though? Nah, no, nah, no, we ain't talking about. J. I mean, <laughs> J. Cole, I mean, yeah. I mean. Hey, did we mention Big Boy? Did we mention Big Boy? Which oh, I need to mention together. is the first nigga. Uh, hey, why ain't mentioning Will Smith? I'm joking. Oh, I'm, hey, joking. Smith I'm joking. Stop. Stop. Smith is a dope ass rapper, dog. Points have been made. We we. <laughs> I'm looking at the clock here. We we got three hours and five minutes currently. Uh, yeah. So yeah. I know this, yeah, is, yeah, this is a good discussion, yeah, guys. Uh, I don't know if y'all saw it in the uh, window there. Lady Lavender said, uh, "Y'all about to get to some real uh, nigga bro talk." I'm out. <laughs> I'm out. <laughs> My favorite rapper is Lauren Hill. Fuck y'all, I'm going to bed. Uh, <laughs> that's sexist. Hold on, hold oh, on. We got to have a whole other discussion. No, we can't do it. We're not doing it. I'm going to bed. These niggas going to be up early. <laughs> nah, I'm not doing it. Female rappers. No, nah, I was just being sexist. That's why I mentioned females. Let me be quiet. Hey, Missy Elliott. Hey, oh, okay, okay, Missy? all right, all right, all right, all right. The, the tabs have been tabulated. <laughs> Any caveats outside of rapping? God damn it. <laughs> no? Okay, man. I appreciate y'all. Like I said, Lady Lavender, uh, she ejected a little early, but uh, thank her for coming on. Thank you, Sam, man, for joining us again. You know what I'm saying? You're not a guest. Uh, once you come on, your family, come back, pimp. We'll, 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 we'll have to have a whole discussion about uh, affirmative action and rap. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, man, let's get out of here, man. Zeb the soldier. 10 meters. Slim AC. Half of the brothers are doomed. Joe Jeff. I'm the KC Stork. Never, ever, ever miss a moment to break bread with your brothers and your sisters. Triple B Podcast. Brothers Breaking Bread. We out.
break bread with your brothers whenever possible. When you hear about opioid overdoses, you probably don't realize half of the nation's overdoses happen in the exact same spot. It's happening right at home. Georgians are accidentally dying in their own homes because people don't understand the dangers of taking an Oxy or Perk for sleep, stress, or with a glass of alcohol. Learn how to protect your family from opioid overdose at opioidresponse.info. This message is brought to you by Georgia DBHDD.